Sanity Safe Space, the call-in show where you decide the topic. From love chat for Matt to the hate in your heart. I can't believe it. There are no limits. You can be nice. I love pleasure. You can be mean. I don't give a fuck. Or you can blow it all up. Oh my God! Every Wednesday at 9, it gets crazy when you get their number and you can call them maybe. And now, here they are, Matt Christensen and Blonde. Hello and welcome to the show. It is the call-in show, the show where you get our number and we are at your mercy. Hello, Blonde. Hello. I have very exciting news. Do you know what it is? You're pregnant. No, no, no. Uh, Joe Biden is running for president again. Everybody was oh, waiting for wow. the announcement is now official. By the way, uh, is my mic level good? I didn't check that. I want to make sure I didn't get the. It looks like it's running a little hot. No, it's not. It looks like it's fine. All right. You know, uh, technical things I should do before we go live that uh, I don't. But um, no, uh, Biden is running for president uh, again. But um, I mentioned on Sunday, you know, I'm trying to do this move and there's a lot of personal pieces moving. Uh, we accepted an offer on my house today. So nice. the, the pieces are moving along now to get to the place that I want to be still requires additional pieces to move, but man, uh, life comes at you fast, you know, and <laughs> I'm still kind of worried that nothing's official yet, but, um, you know, it, it's the first piece in the, the series of dominoes that I needed to fall. So that's very exciting. <laughs> Uh, personally and professionally, because of course the move involves getting into a different professional space too. But the funny thing is I was worried about people seeing this house, not that the house, there's anything wrong with the house, but this office, my studio, as many of you have seen in uh, the uh, Sunday stream one or two back where I showed the glamour of this space that included a Home Depot cardboard cutout on the window to try to block light from getting in here. Yeah. To someone who has no idea what the hell this is, if you walk in here and of course for a showing, I have to be gone. Yeah. I'm out the door. They're just seeing it with a realtor and a lot of these realtors I've never spoken to. So I've told my realtor, like, it looks weird to someone who doesn't know what that is. But they might think I make porn. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be like, what is this? Some kind of far right porn set or something like yes, that. That's yeah, exactly it. Um, but apparently that was not a deterrent to people who saw. So, um, I'll get this room cleaned up quite well and nothing is going to change urgently. Even if this goes through, I'm still looking at a month, month and a half until pieces start moving. If everything goes to plan, but it's all very exciting. And, uh, man, it's, it's crazy how you can sit down and think I'm going to try something new. And two weeks later, um, yeah, two weeks later, you're looking at your entire life being different. So yeah, it exciting. It happened so fast. Yep. Yeah. A lot of pieces to move still. But just to give everybody an update on things that you I know you care about so much because you're also personally invested in my personal living situation. But thanks for entertaining <laughs> me. Um, Great story. Compelling and rich. It is exciting for the family and for the uh, the professional element of the show and all that. But anyway, yep. we'll get to the things that matter. All the thing. It has actually been a crazy news week. Tucker Carlson out, Don Lemon out, all of that. I assume there are things people uh, callers will wish to discuss. So we will get to that as usual. 
of course, um, we'll, we'll take your email questions at the end of the show as well. If you'd like to send us an email question, the place to do it is through the contact page of the website, mattchristensenmedia.com slash contact as always. And we'll catch up with your super chats every half hour as well. Anything else before we get into the callers? I assume everyone's going to want to talk about this Crowder thing, which Oh, that too. You know, I, I just, if people want to talk about it, I will discuss it. Um, it gets, we don't know anything though. It gets nasty personal though. You know, um, this is less a business matter and more a matter of a man's personal life. And I get it. He's a public figure, but, um, if people want to talk about it, I will hesitate to blame this, blame that, you know, whatever. I just, I just don't know. I, I, I listened to what he had to say about it. I feel really bad for him, but I feel really bad for the entire family to the extent there's a divorce. You know, I don't I don't know enough to say whose fault it is or whatever. Yeah, my my instinct is always to blame the woman, except now. I don't know what's <laughs> going on here. Yeah. It's the Okay. Well, we'll get into that and then I'm sure we'll get in so much trouble that we will receive a cease and desist for our efforts. There's the, that whole fight, there's like the Candace Owens v Steven Crowder thing going on right now. Yeah. They're each sending each other ceases and desists. Is that the plural for that? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's going to be a very litigious Ceases war and desists cease and desists. I don't know. Anyway, let's talk Attorneys to Tom. Attorneys general. Yeah. yeah. Tom will do a better job than I will. I'll shut the hell up now. Tom, are you there? Tom. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, greetings. Hello, sir. What's on your mind? I'll have to listen to uh, your um, speech earlier, but is it something about a house? Well, uh, to catch you up quickly and I won't repeat for everybody else, but I ex- yeah, I accepted an offer on this house today, but that is contingent on me getting a deal on the place I want to be. So if I don't, if I'm not able to finish up the deal for where I want to go, then I tell everyone to get the hell out of my house and I sit right here and I keep doing the show. Okay. Well, good luck. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. If, if minstrel shows are considered offensive because of blackface and gross caricatures of another group. Why aren't drag shows considered offensive because they people put on woman face and assume the gross characteristics of another group? Yeah. Or all That's of Trannydom, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I, by the way, uh, I sent you the story of the uh, the tranny takeover at the Montana State Capitol. Unlike Tennessee, and I, don't get me wrong, I'll leave room for Republicans to back off this. As of today, Montana Republicans, they didn't kick Zoe Zephyr, our transgender representative. They didn't kick him out of the state house, but he is banned from speaking on the House floor for the rest of the legislative session now. Really? So they're they're fighting back in this uh, in, in the trans war that has been brought to the state capitol. But back to Tom's point. Yeah, I, of course, I don't see any distinction. It is a costume. Fundamentally, that's all it is. Do you have more? To, did you have uh, additional thoughts on it, Tom? Well, I just uh, sometimes you have an epiphany or you think it's an epiphany and you just want to run it by somebody else to see, you know, is this really as profound as it sounds or is it something that everybody's like, well, duh, you know, yeah, how come you didn't yeah. realize that earlier, you know? Yeah, it's it's the sort of uh, logical consistency that I don't think these activists would care about. I don't know by what logic you could go to someone like Rachel Dolezal and consider her, her the great racial imposter of our time or some sort of, um, what would the term be like a, a, 
some sort of cultural or racial thief, like stealing an identity to which she does not belong. But then look at, at a typical transgender person and say they're not doing the exact same thing. That somehow Rachel Dole is all saying, I identify as black. And if you look at her past history in the documentary about her, there's clearly something about her psychology that identifies with black culture. That's not me saying that she's black, obviously. But there's something in her psychology that has given her a fixation on African culture that has manifested itself in this way. How is that any different than someone who has has convinced himself that he's a woman and presents as such. It's the exact same logic. But yep, totally. they'll protect one and criticize the other. Right. Yet they're always saying that uh, race doesn't exist, but they would never let somebody cross those lines. Like well, they will never accept racial doles. Racial that's another dolls. one of those. It's like <laughs> race, race is, is, is non-biological. Race itself is... Uh, is like a, a social, I don't know if they would say social construct, but like a social invention that we've used yes, to categorize yeah. people. But at the same time, race is also this inherent part of who you are and you could never, like you can never cross those boundaries. But really that just means white people can't cross those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Other people can cross any boundary that they want. Yep. Anyway. Well, thanks for the thoughts, Tom. Did you have a closing thought? Um, have you ever uh, heard the speech uh, not yours to give? No, I, who, whose speech is it? It's a, it's a famous speech that uh, Davy Crockett, I'm pretty sure it was Davy Crockett, uh, gave in Congress, and it was about the um, Congress is not there to spend your money to necessarily benefit individuals. It's it's there to to spend your money as efficiently as possible to benefit the common good not the not each individual good it's, mm. it, it's a pretty awesome speech it's on it's on youtube it's about 20 minutes so if you, you gotta listen to I'll it have to check that out even that strikes me as too charitable an interpretation though <laughs> the fact like the idea that we get any good out of congress redistributing wealth but really, yeah, really doing anything in general i guess i i don't know i guess the national parks are kind of cool i like that but <laughs> how much waste and nonsense are we getting otherwise, if not outright abuse? Yep. Anyway. Thank you, Tom. All Appreciate right. your call. Thanks, All Tom. Right. Bye. Talk to you again. Okay. Richard Parker is up next. Richard, are you there? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's on your mind? Hi. Um, well, um, I wanted to talk about why I think pornography should not be protected by the first amendment and isn't uh-huh. actually original intent but i want to spend about two or three minutes sort of clarifying a misunderstanding okay uh, from our call um i have verbatim at uh, an hour three minutes 20 seconds you said elites have too much power so we have to deny a voice to the little guy and in an hour 10 zero seconds uh you said after i was done with the call Characterizing my position as we have to stand up to these elites who are in control of everything, but our ability to speak about that freely is of no value. Um, I want to clarify, and that's not what I'm suggesting. It's not my position. Okay. Of course, free speech of the dissident right is important. Well, but, but now we're saying free speech for my team. Well, some things are right and some things are wrong. And people, for example, who propagate transgender lunacy should not be tolerated. 
but then it's just that's, that's, well but then that's again that's but that's not free speech then that's speech that you like and speech that you don't is restricted well the, no no vision of free speech is absolute though um, okay but what's you know, the, you have the distinction here you have is liable the distinction here is the viewpoint you're not you're saying that it's certain viewpoints that should not be expressed um to a certain extent but it's not just if i disagree with something i think it should be banned I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying there are some things that are a threat to our civilization, a threat to our culture, a threat to our society, a threat to values thousands of years old, and they're being broadcast by incredibly powerful implements of mass media that have a hypnotic power on the masses in ways that we're but not. You do, surely you do recognize that's not an objective standard. What 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 standard would you use to judge that? How do you declare what is that and what is not? Well, it's the same reason why I don't think even computer-generated kitty porn should be allowed because I can discern that it it degrades the culture. It gives people a taste for things that down the road is going to lead to very bad things. Okay, but and to me, I'm not clear how you're going to define what degrades culture and what does not. It's moral conviction. It's, it's why I said, I think, in one of my first calls, Ellen Page, at the most abstract philosophical level, is right when she says racism, blah, 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 isn't a discussion. She's wrong about what is right and what is wrong. She is fundamentally wrong and an enemy of Europe and the West and my posterity and everything that I believe in and everything that every right-thinking white person should, should be against. But at the more abstract level, she is right not to tolerate that which should not be tolerated. But see, that's my problem. That which should not be tolerated is a completely subjective standard. Well, there's subjective. There's a subjective component to morality and an objective one. Mm. And for example, like interpreting the Bible, just very quickly, people disagree on what the commandment of honor thy mother and father means. So things always go back to a subjective interpretation. But if I could just redirect real quick before I talk about what I would like to talk about. If well, no, we, we want to talk about this all, no. all, all evening, but we, um, we get, we got one topic. So yeah, if you want to wrap well, up about this, we can do that. Yeah. But um, the only thing I'm going to say is, is that dissident voices are right, but in the long term, in the aggregate, if we don't do something about the mass media elements that are marching our race and our civilization into oblivion, if it's not already too late, it will be in the aggregate because, yes, some individuals can resist this. But in the aggregate, aggregate in the masses, people move in a collective. And if you don't do something to neutralize those forces in the mass media and more particularly those powerful elites yeah, like this, George Soros, like Sumner Red. This, this is my Bill, problem with all of this. Do something. We shouldn't tolerate that which should not be tolerated. These are all very generic, subjective standard free platitudes frankly I, I don't see i don't even understand what you're calling for i'm calling to first of all to reform our traditional understanding of free speech and individual autonomy and understand that it's not a level playing field and that if you just have people on the dissident right um you know dissent from the dominant worldview but you don't discern that in a generation or two, something needs to be done about the mass media. What You're is going that? To lose. What is because that? Because like what Blonde said. No, something like needs said, to be like, done. What is that? 
If nothing else, it starts with an understanding of the problem that something needs to be done about the power of the mass something, media. What, what needs want, to be done? Be no, no, understand what it. needs to be done? Oh, you it know, no one needs to be step done. One, which is understanding. <laughs> which is what? Yeah. It, it starts with, I mean, if you don't have an understanding of the problem, you can't solve the problem. And the first step is just an intellectual understanding that if you don't do something about the mass media elements, that's over you, time you're going to lose. Stop. And okay. touched upon this. Do, you cannot say do something over and over again without defining what do something is. <laughs> Remove <laughs> That'll be the last elements one. of mass we'll media from like so George Soros, Sumner Redstone, and those others. You can go fashy about it. You can go with antitrust law and, and just, uh, you know, uh, some sort of law that that deals with the problem of oligopoly, which I think everyone could agree is a problem. Oh, so and, everyone's going to cuck on law now. I'm talking about a lawless, fashy solution. Come on. Well, I mean, you know, if we have to build a consensus and convince people, and Matt, that there are there are ways in our system to solve this problem, but I mean, but I'm not touched. Okay, I'm not. I'm not hearing them, the, but. I will give you last word. Go for it. Here's the problem you don't understand. Blonde touched on this on my email question. She said, out of 10 children, you're going to lose three. If you take a calculator and you type 20 million times 0.7 and then 0.7 again and then 0.7 again, you have just over 6 million people. You've lost two-thirds of the mass of of 20 million. And mm-hmm. so over time, over the generations, if you don't do something about this, well, yeah, of course I think you it's want to do something about it. Really. What you're talking about I mean, is convincing things- people, and that's my whole point. You have to preserve everyone's right to convince his fellow man as freely okay, as but possible. But there's a difference between between an individual and corporate interests, and interests like those of George Soros, well, I, I, Disney, do, which are corporations. Do, and if if you really want, you could say that okay, we shouldn't treat corporations as individuals as people. And sort of correct that error in in our legal tradition. But I don't care how you do it. I don't care if uh, you well, graduate then, from democracy. But that's the problem. If it's I don't care how you get what I want done, get it done. That is a standard free nonsense world. Just do so, what I want, get it done. I don't care is, how. Is that our race and our civilization is being marched to oblivion? And okay. if something different isn't done than what we've tried in the past eighty years, okay. we're going to lose if we haven't lost already. Okay. And what Blonde said about three hundred ten you, children exemplifies that. Beautifully. Okay. Th- thank you, Richard. Appreciate your call. Okay. Me, I'm with him. I, I, this thing of going through the legal system so that we can kill people. Why? I <laughs> I don't know. That's the thing. I don't I don't know if he means kill people. I I I don't know what he's talking about. Don't make him so, say it, man. Well, I, I'm you're gonna have to say it if I don't know what he's asking anyone to do, myself included, <clears throat> because it's not explained. But Gilgamesh is up next. Gilgamesh, are you there? Hi. Hey, yeah. Hey, blonde. You look great tonight. You look like a great Aryan sister. Thank and you Matt, very much. And Matt, you look fine too. Oh, well, I will take it. Thank you. Yeah. No, you look. You guys look great, Matt. You still look like a pasty corpse. And blonde, you look like what? A pasty no, corpse. What are you talking about? Blonde, you you look more alive at times. Matt comes off when you do your videos. You still seem like you're not quite there. But when I say corpse, not quite say where, what are you talking about? Well, you're kind of like robotic when you talk. He's got videos. a thing, okay? It's it's just yeah, he's he's I running know. through a script sure, of being sure. reasonable. It works for you. It works for you, Matt. It does. <laughs> All right. I will I'm take the hot. I will take yeah, the compliment. It's a compliment. 
Thank I'll you. say one thing. On Sunday, you talked about the whole uh, McMichaels. Mm-hmm. Okay. The one oh, thing yeah. the media said about that was they they were chased they were chasing after tra- after Aubrey. No, they weren't. In fact, in the video that the neighbor filmed as he's driving down the following Aubrey, you can see the pickup in the in the way in the, the down the road. They called nine one one and told them that Travis's father said we see someone. Um, leaving the house, we don't know if he's committed a crime. He brings up about how he had his pickup broken into the father and had a gun stolen. They tell him, stay put. The police are on their way. They do. When Aubrey comes to the pickup, Travis's father's in the back, and he's panicking because he doesn't know what to do. You see no, there's there's video of them pursuing. Yeah. The fact that no, they, they pursued. They were, no, no, the neighbor, the guy across the street. No, there's literally the, one, the whole video of no, Roddy Bryan. they were Bryan. not following. They were stopped. It's, he came no, to no, it's on video. Roddy Bryan recorded the whole thing. That's not disputed. Yeah. And I think they might have said we're in pursuit. Didn't they say like we're in No, pursuit? no, they never. They called 911 and said, we saw someone leaving the house. We don't know if he's stolen anything. This is the night. And right. And the then way, they, the but how, wait, 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 how, if they didn't pursue, how did they get to him? They weren't. He came to them. They what? were parked. They were they parked. Were, the guy, well, the okay, guy wait, wait. across the street from the Brian, house. Okay, he, I see what you're saying. You're saying the, the McMichaels the are up ahead. Brian <laughs> is pursuing from behind. No, no. Pursued him. He followed him because he wanted to find out where he was going. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. He, they, he, they he were followed, not working but, together. The McMichaels he, never. They called 911. Brian, Brian okay, was not working with, with the McMichaels? No, no, what? No. What are you talking no, about? They never communicated. What? The McMichaels are down the Roddy, street sitting there parked. Roddy Bryan says, would dispute that. What are you that. doing? He runs out of the house. He gets in the okay. vehicle, follows him while he's okay. recording. You see the, hold on, hold on, hold on. He what is the nine, stop, 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 stop? Hold on. So, no, no. Allow me to ask a question here. What is the difference between following and pursuing? What's the what's well, the distinction? A, a, pursuing is like you're you're driving really fast to catch someone, like the police do. Well, I don't know if that's it. true because if somebody's walking slowly and you're walking, but he's at their running same down street. street. You see a distance between. No, no, but but yeah. just for as an example, you're still in pursuit of the other. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I, we I, can I say the guys. The guy behind following it may be presumed, but the Michaels weren't because his father, by the way, they told well, but they were they were trying to apprehend no, Ahmad Arbor. No, they actually, were trying they well, maybe apprehend no. is the wrong word. They were trying to confront. No. They were trying to confront. No, they weren't. No. Why were the they par- asked, What? They were parked. They were parked there in he the middle of the, the street for no reason. No, hold on. Hold on. This is what Travis's father does. He called it and they released that one one call. He says, hi. Well, yeah, we see a guy running from the house. We're not sure if he's stolen anything. If, if he's stolen anything, right. and then he mentions, by the way, I had my pickup broken into and a gun stolen. They right. tell him to stay put. The police are on their way. They say okay, and they stay put. Travis gets oh, out of their vehicle. But, you, they but you're move saying once they see him run, they they are parked. But Ahmad Arbery just happened to run by them, is what you're he saying. He ran the opposite way. He didn't run back the way he came. He ran towards them. They didn't. Okay. They see him running from the house. That's why they called the police. Then, the, but you, so yeah. you, would, your argument is that the that the McMichaels were not attempting a confrontation no, in any way. No, no, they weren't. Because okay. here's the thing: when the press asked <laughs> okay. the father later <laughs> on, were you I, attempting to make a hold on? W- no, no. Listen, this, Gilgamesh, we're gonna this. we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this point. But but I, if you have a final thought, um, and and again, I'm not. That doesn't well, mean that the, I think that the I'm jury saying, got everything correct or, or any, don't misunderstand. Just, I'm saying that the debate is to me is about whether that pursuit was justified. And there's certainly a debate there, but I, I can't get on board with the idea that they were just waltzing around the neighborhood in a way that was unrelated to Ahmaud Arbery. Here's the thing. 
said, he said, no, we never said they were trying to make a citizen's arrest. The police confirmed they never said that. So the press gets it wrong. That's why they weren't being charged initially, because they never tried to make a citizen's arrest. That's why they called 911 to let them know what was going on. Okay. You don't call the police if you're attempting and saying, and they tell you to stay put and you stay put. And you only get out of your vehicle when you see the guy coming. You're not sure what to do. And you see the father panic in the back. So, and, but, and you're, okay, well, okay. And the uh, defense never okay. tried to actually defend them. Okay. They were trying to put him in prison. All right. Razor Fisk even pointed out. But here's something. Our well, country, we're going to have to wrap this up, but I will give you a last word if you want. Okay. If you look at what's going on in the world, the West, America, and, you know, Europe have been taken over by Satan. No, on that, on that we can agree. No, we are. Yeah. <laughs> and we, no, yeah. we are. I, I agree. Yeah, I absolutely. Go look at what's happening with Stephen Carter and see what's going on with humans, the greed, hmm. all the sins and everything. You can see it going on as we speak. People are letting greed, you know, consumption take them over. So, yeah. That's true. All hey, right. Have a good well, night, thank, Good night. Thank you for oh, the yeah. call, man. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. Bye. Man, that audio quality. I could hear every word. My headphones were like out to here. Uh, well, I can, I got, I hope I got my levels adjusted well for the stream, but, uh, no, I mean, that's fine. I'm, I won't revisit the points and, uh, we'll just, we'll move on for the Republic is up next for the Republic. Are you there? Blonde. Been a while. Hi. Yeah. Good to hear from you. What's on your mind? Well, uh, just some quick news. Uh, so since we last spoke, which was several months ago, I have gotten engaged Oh, congratulations. Oh, thanks. Excited about that. Um, Congrats on the new place, Matt. Uh, Well, I'm not there yet, but, you know. Relatively new place. Well, I just mean that I I don't have uh, a deal on a new place. So until I can secure that. Yeah. um, It's always a whole thing. I'm trying, you know. Any, uh, you know, trepidations about you know, selling your brother's place at all. And not oh, that of you course. need to get into it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I don't want to make a whole emotional show of it, but, uh, but yeah, of course what this, what this house means emotionally to my family and to me is in, of incredible weight. And when I Are made the decision, okay? Oh yeah, we're, uh, we're all in this, we're working on kind of a, a deal that'll get all the family closer together is the, is the aim here. But, um, Okay. But yeah, without telling like a whole sob story for minutes on end, uh, to get in the mental space to be prepared to move on from it has been incredibly difficult. But mm. you understand that it is just a pile of concrete and wood and metal and plastic. And the circumstance that led me to this house is, of course, very sad, but it was my job to take responsibility for it and to build something yeah. out of it. And I, I you feel family. Of yeah. course, I feel like every everything I have, and that includes this channel and this stream, is built on the foundation of this house. And so, leaving it is is a, a, a tearjerker, to be frank. But i i know I know it's time, and I know that I did what I was supposed to. And and so I don't I don't have any. It, it's a happy sadness, if that makes sense. It's not yeah. Uh, yeah. it's not a sadness of failure or something like that. No, and I'm sure Wade would not begrudge you. Um, no, I, I don't think it would. It, no, I don't think it's his expectation that I, that I'd be here for there's Stay a part in the of me house that's, forever. Yeah. There's a part of me that's sad because I'd envisioned raising kids in this house in a certain way. But the reality but is you like, did. You started your family there. Yeah. yeah, for a little while. But, you know, if I have to work out of the house, plus there are multiple kids, it's just 
this is not yeah. a, uh, a a a a miraculously uh, glamorous house or something like that. It, it's 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 pretty modest living situation, and if I want a bigger family, it's just not going to work. So, sure. Um, not to throw a black pill on things. <laughs> but, okay, we're ready. We're ready. Uh, so came across this uh, discussion on Twitter here, uh, and it was this uh, Minnesota representative andy smith and they were talking about the the second amendment and it got brought up the uh, you know the actual meaning of well-regulated doesn't mean government controlled meant you know in proper working order to which he responded with i reject the originalist interpretation of the constitution Oof. which the more i think about that that's just a horrifying viewpoint for an elected official you know like well, it yeah is, it is uh you might argue treason adjacent well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the yeah. Constitution that I swear on to protect. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I view it more as a guideline and actual than an actual rules, and <clears> it <throat> really only means what I think it means. At least yeah, he's which, being honest about it, though. I mean, that's standard. Yeah. Uh, it's standard view for True. anybody in Congress. They're just lying about it. But so take take that mindset of this representative, and now uh, he's co-sponsoring a bill that is totally not a sign of the totally non-existent slippery slope, which does not exist. <laughs> but so in, in current Minnesota state law, sexual orientations are a protected class, okay. which you can't discriminate against. Oh, I think I heard this. <laughs> I think I know where you're going. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that is current state law. And part of that statute, it ends with sexual orientation does not include a physical or sexual attachment to children by an adult. That's current. So that's, so that's it, the status quo. This current law says, yes. just so you know, no uh, pedi- pedophile. Yes. Yeah. Pedophile is not a valid sexual orientation for the purpose of this law is what that's saying. Correct. Is he yeah. going to change the language of this law? Well, enter HF one six five five of which hmm. he is a co-sponsor on, which is striking that language from that statute so he's it's just going to remove that entirely and his has he offered reasoning i can infer or i can guess his reasoning but has he explained it himself not that i have seen any discussion from him on it i mean there's gosh like 14 co-authors on this bill if not a couple more but uh yeah it's i i i I'm sure they'll justify it saying, oh, we're trying to be more inclusive or some crap like that. But I mean, how is this not indicative of the slippery slope, which once again, totally doesn't exist? So am I understanding this correctly? He made he he proposed some sort of new law or amendment to change that law, but has not offered an explanation for why it's even weirder to try to do that while saying nothing. Well, like my misunderstanding. Well. Like I said, he's just one of several co-authors on this bill, which is just making its way through the Minnesota House. Okay, so it's a new bill, and it's a new part bill. of that new bill would be to revise whatever the old status quo was. Hey, this doesn't make yes. you want a Richard Parker, this guy. Um, <laughs> I certainly think that. Uh, well, there ought to be if he's advocating for child abuse. Of course, he ought to face criminal. Uh, you have the to wall? face criminal punishment for that. Oh, right. But at the same time, the standard cannot just be whatever I don't like should face 
ruthless, undefined punishment. That is oh, just that a power struggle awesome. for, well, uh, speak yeah. for yourself until you're on the other side of the ruthless, undefined punishment. I yeah. am so, on the other side of that right now. Uh, so, yeah, well, yeah. imagine if it's not just like uh, demonetizing your YouTube channel, if it's actually killing you or maybe killing your family first, making you watch and then killing you. This is what the left wants to do to us. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know that they're doing yeah. that yet, although I don't. They're dis- not doing that yet, but they want to. If they could, they might. But but my point is that is uh, that is evil in nature. And if you want to maintain moral integrity, moral fortitude, that ought to be rejected, even if applied to your enemies. Right. That's where you and I differ, because I don't want to maintain moral integrity. I don't, I don't give a shit. Well, there's probably a, a lengthy conversation we could have about that. Like at, at, at And maybe I should. Should I leave that one aside uh, or should I go right into that for the Republic? Do you would you be I want to make sure I respect your time? No, no, no. Uh, I've already but, taken enough of you guys. OK, time. well. I guess not I'm as curious, much as everyone else. I guess, I guess I'm curious how you would reconcile that with uh, like a traditional Catholic faith or a traditional faith in the moral teachings of Catholicism, Christianity, Jesus Christ, however you would choose to define that. I don't Badly, mean to- it's a constant problem and struggle. A thirst for vengeance is not a Christian attitude. Jesse Lee no. Peterson made me like, promise that I was going to let go of my anger because anger is satanic. And I, I realized that like, I, I do not know if I'm capable of doing that. Can I actually be a Christian truly with this thirst for revenge in my heart? I don't, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm at a real crossroads. Uh, I think my anger is righteous, but you can, um, you can be righteously angry at something. I mean, look at, uh, you know, how uh, Jesus's reaction in the temple when he saw how they were right. you know, using it as a market. <laughs> that has been his- uh, the most surprising point in my Bible study so far was that particular piece mm. of the story. I thought, Flipping wow, tables, right? This guy is not uh, sort of the passive peacemaker he is portrayed as, at least according no, to this indeed. account. Um, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I think that there's a place for righteous anger, and when I think of myself, I don't view myself as an immoral person. Like I'm. I'm outraged by leftist behavior because I believe they're engaging in, in satanic evil behavior. I just don't get caught up in due process because I know that um, what they're doing is evil. And, uh, and I'm not particularly worried about setting a precedent for later because what is later? I mean, but when, what's going to uh, happen I'll later leave, i'll leave like, the question we'll be in such a, a dire situation that i'm like well am i going to set a standard for appropriate use of due process it's not future? just that it's being a moral act that's not yourself, my impression though. of you yeah no i know I, you can do an impression of me that's fine um <laughs> i guess my my last question to close it out is at what point does the moral bending end and the moral fortitude begin because yeah. surely you don't want this sort of endless battle of evil, evil topping evil for the sake of good to continue forever. If not now to maintain those moral standards, when do we return to them? How do we know when that time we is here? return? We return to them when we have to build a new society and then we build a society built on moral standards. I mean, they're, they're the problem I'm having right now is that I don't see a way for us to win, to retain elements of Western culture for our families to be safe without seriously violating um 
the bodily autonomy of our enemies. Like I, I, I don't. How can we possibly do that? And <laughs> Some I think. Might that, say, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I think yeah. that um, you know, the closer we get to this conflict, the the more clear it's it's being made to me that that we do have um, some level of appropriate anger. I just worry that when you are willing to bend moral standards um, in that way, and I understand people will say that's what you have to do to win. Okay, but the person who bends moral standards at every opportunity to win is what is called a bad guy. That is a guy who, who will actually deploy any tactic whenever it is convenient for him, will abuse anybody to achieve his ends of, of accumulating power or influencing others in the way that he wants. And I just, there's real danger in that there, there really is. Like if I were, if I were in charge and I had total governmental autonomy and authority and fascistic power, like I would become uh, a ruthless dictator. I'm, (laughs) I'm sure of that. I would be totally corrupted by the power. I think almost anybody would. Um, but the question is like, are you willing to lose? Well, the, the, to answer that question, then we'll have to move on. I'll give you a last word for the Republic. So don't don't uh, I, I'm not leaving <laughs> you fine. hanging. Um, we, you know, when you say t- uh, you don't want to set bad precedent or are you willing to lose? Well, what I want to do is maintain fidelity and integrity to the moral order of this universe. I want to maintain my trajectory of obedience and o- adherence to those rules because those are those are the framework for, for those are, what's the word I'm looking for here? I see what you're saying. You might have I'm to tying myself that, in knots, but these are complex. Um, these are complex concepts to wrap up nicely, but, but you might have not, to reframe that in your mind, like in a land where there is no law in a Mad Max land where, where the authority are ruthless people. Um, you're, when somebody is, uh, going to come into your house and kill you. You know, they've done it before, but they haven't, they haven't reached your personal property. Um, and you go out and preemptively kill them. Like, have you done wrong? Well, I would say that there are fates worse than death. And one of those is being an objectively terrible, awful person who abused his way to survival. I don't know that I would be willing. I don't know that I could live with the guilt of slaughtering a whole bunch of innocent people preemptively to preserve my own, situation i mean it's, no it's i'm not saying gonna... you you would have to uh reframe your current sense of morality in the absence of a legal framework well i guess what i'm saying is i don't i don't really believe it i don't understand it to be reframing my sense of morality i understand it to be there is an objective morality to the world to which i am bound to which i must obey right uh right. and so that's what i'm trying to maintain fidelity to well so yeah that's not- the, that's the highest sense of morality though somebody that can define their own sense of morality almost like that's like half a percent of people that can do that so you kind of just have to assume that people are going to try to murder you they might but there are yeah. countless atrocities throughout history have been committed in the name of the greater good yeah yeah almost all of them Really? I reiterate, I should be in charge of nothing and no <laughs> one should listen to me. Okay. I'm well. just saying that like we all might have to compromise a little bit on uh like th- there will be Shut no up. laws. Like we're not going to be able woman. to call the police and let the justice system figure it out. Oh no, of course that that's the 
the the great difficulty of all of this is you have to be strong enough to deploy that force when you are legitimately threatened. I uh, I'm not so naive as to say we have to sit right. back in the same way. <clears throat> just think of it as my house with my neighbor. If my neighbor does some stuff, if I suspect my neighbor of being a shady actor, I'm probably not justified in walking over there and killing him. But if my neighbor walks into my house in the middle of the night, busts open my door and is snooping through my stuff or trying to capture my kid. At that point, I would be not just justified, but I would have a moral obligation to eliminate that threat. So it's not yes. it's not sitting by passively and, and allowing yourself to be abused, but no, it's no, no. having the, the, the restraints understand to understand when the force is properly deployed. But that's what I'm saying needs to be reframed. I don't want to get into like the, the depth of hypotheticals. That, but yeah. what if you knew that your neighbor had killed another neighbor? Uh, like I witnessed it or something. And then yeah. I go I go kill him as a method of not as a method of self-defense, but as a matter of justice. Or as a matter of, of preventive, you know, like you, you know that he's coming for you eventually. Hmm. So the Dexter approach. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. We, you have prompted an interesting conversation, so we are behind on time. But I, I promised I'd give yes. you last word, so I will do that before we let you go. Yeah, of course. So the discussion here just reminded me of it. not something biblical, but this is from Tolkien. And it it is not our part to master all the tides of the world, hmm. but to do what is in us. For the sucker of those years wherein we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know, so that those who live after may have clean earth to till. Mm. We right. can't we can't fight every battle, we can't fix every problem, but we can fix the evil and the problem that is in front of us. Here, here. I agree. That's what we're trying to do. Thank you, man. All right, take care, guys. Cool. Okay, we are way behind on a break, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hustle through just a couple. We're gonna get right back to the calls over on Rumble, JD1492 signing up to be a monthly supporter. That is greatly appreciated. And as a reminder, if you'd like to support the show monthly, Rumble is a great place to do it because for the rest of the year, they are giving 100% of those funds to the creator, not just us, but anybody Ooh. you like on Rumble. Rumble is a great place to support them currently, and I suspect it will be into the future. So thank you for that. He also says. And under the radar news, Susan Rice is out at the White House, probably helping Big Mike warm up for the uh, in the batter's box as we speak. Congrats on the house, Matt. Well, thank you very much. And uh, seriously speaking, Big Mike is probably the number one Democrat candidate I would fear the most. Big Mike Ugh. would be tough to beat. Other than Joe Biden, who's guaranteed victory. And we're going to watch that happen. Rocky Mountain Monk says, Matt, Talking to For the Republic, you use the term pedophile. The proper term is YAP, youth attracted person. I've also seen MAP, uh, yep. minor, attracted, minor person. attracted person. Addicted to drums. And thank you, Rocky Mountain Monk. Appreciate it. Addicted to drums says, thanks. Thank you. Let's get just a couple over on uh, Tippy and or YouTube. We'll hop right back into the calls. Sure. Long down, John. I heard Matt is literally shaking after the Montana transurrection. Uh, so I heard that, too. What a show, man. Maybe if it happens again. Well, now uh, now Zoe Zooey is banned from uh, even going on the House floor. So I guess I have no reason to show up down there. But if this continues, maybe if the protests outside heat up, maybe it would be another good opportunity to go talk to people like the January 6th thing and just see yeah. what's going on. Yeah. It's only about uh, for me to get there. It's only like an hour and a half, two hour drive. It's not that far to get to the state you capital. Would, yeah, I might get a, a video or two out of it. Um. Bocephus, Matt Blonde, Marcus the Golden One stated yesterday that he has been blessed by the spirit of Hugo Boss. Matt, do you ever feel like you have been blessed by a fashion icon? P.S. Blonde looking good. 
I have been if I have been blessed by a fashion icon that uh, uh, there's something off in the universe. I don't know that anyone has ever uh, credited me with accredited me with such things other than occasionally people ask me where I get my flannels. So maybe if I was blessed by an icon of fashion, it would be Paul Bunyan. And that's it. <laughs> Richard's daughter. Dad, if I promise to stop listening to rap music, will you stop calling in? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that was a good one. No, I, uh, I, I don't. As always, I don't want to be unfair to Richard. I, I think I think it's pretty clear that Richard and I don't just don't agree on a fundamental philosophy, and that's fine. You don't you don't have to. We don't have to. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to. Again, uh, it, I, I I hope I have not, and I have never tried to misrepresent his position or. Uh, create some straw man of him. I, I want him to be able to speak his mind. And of course he has. So he's welcome to do that. Um, Nicholas H. Matt is my favorite pasty corpse robot speak host. <laughs> I really have that niche of YouTube nailed, I guess. No, you that's were like, fine. what? <laughs> well, I mean, I, it's not that I make uncriticizable work. Uh, that's of course not. Of um, the pasty corpse of the, I'm clearly the pastier corpse. I don't know. We're both pretty, pretty white um but yeah pasty corpse robot that's it's rough man yeah that's harsh Harsh. but uh that's all right i'll i'll be okay oh will rogers the police are the problem think about it who arrests you under a bullshit assault law if you rightfully smash a teacher's school for talking sexual to your kids what was this in response to i don't know that reference what's that about i don't know i don't know i'm sorry i missed it um, I divorced my wife in the hopes for a date with blonde. I don't think so. Ooh, Not my, that... I'm married. And even though I forgot to wear my wedding ring today. Ooh. Oh, um, there you go. Now you've sparked the rumors. It's all true. I do. Do you ever forget to wear your, wear your wedding ring? No, because I'm not a degenerate like that. What? No, it's like walking <laughs> around with a car on your no. finger. Well, it's different I, for women. Yeah, that's true. I, um, well, you got to get the, the, I have like a step up from those um, like rubbery ones because those the cheapest ones stretch out or break easy. This one's like a reinforced rubbery nice. uh, material that'll last a long time. But I agree. I, I don't ever wear my uh, my actual high quality, nice wedding ring around because I don't want to lose it. And because that gets caught on stuff, too. It's like a danger to your finger. So. I know. I'm scared. Um, we'll circle back. All right. Thank you, guys. We will uh, come back to you at the top of the hour. Um, um, I'll have to just circle back with you. I'll have to do a little bit better on my time management so we don't end up so far behind. But Batman, uh, what's on your mind? Batman. Hello, sir. Ooh, it sounds like you're coming to us from the bat layer. Mm, Not really. I just have a different pair of headphones on. (laughs) How disappointing. (laughs) Are you out in the field? Are you you hot on the Joker's uh, trail? Tail? What's the word? Whatever. I'm afraid not. Like I said, I fucked out of cities a long time ago. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I'm not in position to uh, have a whole bunch of banter. So I'll get. I'll ask you to get right to whatever you want to discuss. Fair enough. Well, I imagine you probably have a pretty decent idea of what I'm going to talk about tonight. Let's talk about the appropriateness of doxing when it's appropriate, when it isn't, and what should be done about it. Okay. Right. So we, I think, collectively as a community have basically looked upon people like Taylor Lorenz and 
thought, well, if she was put up on a, you know, Vlad the Impaler style spike, um, the world would be better off for it. Right. I never uh, said that. I disavow, but I will allow your point for the sake of the argument. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, y'all just left me out to dry here, but uh, spikes but, um, basically the idea is that people who release your information for malicious purposes are, um, I mean, they're, they're scum. Can we agree on that? Well, who's getting their information released? Who's the, no, I, I would agree on the general principle. Yeah. I don't think it's a is good thing. Is it your neighbor and, that you saw kill your other neighbor? Yeah. <laughs> is no, it, just, uh, um, for, for, you know, for shits and giggles or for political reasons or whatever. Yeah. I, I would agree with the principle in general. Sure. Yeah. Fine. All right. All right so what should be done about people who do this kind of thing, particularly in private communities? Are you speaking as like a, a legal matter? Are you speaking as uh, just as pe- like friends policing friends? How are you framing this? Both. Um, you know, as far as the the legalities of all of this, that's an area that I'm not particularly clear. Uh, usually, usually doxing, as far as I'm aware, is more of um, it's more of uh, like a, a a terms of service violation as opposed mm. to a legal violation for the most part, but it's an area of the law that I'm not extremely familiar with as far as how we should handle it in policing each other. I would say the same way that we should handle any other infractions that we talk about. That person should, should be uh, confronted about what they're doing. That person should be made to explain why they're doing it. And if that person does not have a good explanation for what's going on, uh, you should sever that association. You should not deal with that person. And, uh, I think that should be true for pretty much everybody. I think it's a, I think it's a bad, dirty tactic. And if someone in the same way, if I found a supposed friend or associate stealing 20 bucks from my wallet, you know, maybe I don't have a, a, a prosecution solution, but I'm not going to associate with that person ever again. If they've demonstrated themselves as dishonest. No, well, you gotta go a step further than that. Here. Um, when it comes to prosecution and in so never going to happen. Like, Never legal, yeah, insofar as legal matters are concerned, that's never going to happen. First of all, the justice system is already too overwhelmed by, you know, crimes that are of greater importance. And second of all, um, our justice system is run by people who like this, this kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, there have <laughs> to be other consequences for this. Okay, what people that do this, like Taylor Lorenz, she needs to face a psychological campaign that drives her to insanity. That's really what she deserves. So like if the, if the law is not going to do anything about this, then people need to find ways to hack on her computer and then send her pictures of her sleeping and things like that. And like, let her know that we're watching her. You know, <laughs> Who's going to be the designated Taylor spy. I don't want that job, but um, those things are really, do you remember when that person was doing that to me with that YouTube channel? Uh, not specifically. I know you've had a few people. So this motherfucker, like, well, not really. This motherfucker uh, started this like psychological campaign on me like four years ago. And he put up, he made a YouTube channel and used a picture of my husband, whose identity is, you know, largely unknown as the avatar. And then uh, all of his videos were like 
songs about stalking, um, you know, like um, the, all the police songs about uh, watching people and whatever. And then mm. he posted a video that was an, a house tour of the house that I live in and like creating gap accounts and stuff like that. I mean, that didn't really get to me because um, I'm kind of a psychopath, but something somebody like Taylor Lorenz, that would really work for, you know? The police okay, can't well, do anything if you send somebody a picture of their house. Just well, say, for example, that somebody does this <clears throat> to you with um, explicitly malicious intent, mm. and you already know the cops are going to do nothing about it, right? You, you, you know there's, there's no case to be made. Um, there's, there, you know, the justice system is already overwhelmed with crimes that are of greater importance, as I said. Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> So what do you do? What what's your solution here? Is this uh, is this an ongoing thing or has it ended? I, I don't mean to prod too much. Can I? Am I at liberty to say that I won't say anything specific? But I uh, can I disclose that you have had a problem with this? Is that fair to say? Wait, you have? Yeah. Okay, I don't yeah, want to say on, more than actually, you're... and on and on the. Um, on your server. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just want to the extent that you have some sort of episode with this. I, I just want to, I, I guess to close out the conversation, I, I'd probably have to say, well, what I, I guess I would clarify. Are you asking something of me or are you asking for advice for how you should handle this? Or do you have thoughts did, about I how you should that, handle this? I did that in private channels. I was just, um, I wanted to talk sort of about the philosophy of yeah, yeah, sure. I just, I just want to be clear on what exactly, uh, exactly you're looking for, so I don't uh, misunderstand or answer a question you're not necessarily asking. Right. Um. Yeah. I don't know. So I guess your question philosophically is retaliate or let it go. I suppose those are the two options that you have. My my question to evaluate that would be: Is this ongoing or has it ended? Um. I have no way of knowing that. Okay. Because I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the one who's um, basically engaging in this. Wow. I was unaware this was an actual situation. I would have answered differently. No. <laughs> How would you have answered that? I don't know. I mean, when things like this happen to me, I, I, I live in these elaborate fantasies that I'm going to be able to get back at the person. And then I just stop caring because nothing ever happens when you get doxxed. Like no one ever well, comes to your house. You never get swatted. Like li- literally nothing except yeah, for I, having shit smeared in my house. Nothing's ever. I hold should... on a second. Let me answer the door. Taylor Lorenz is outside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I should <laughs> clarify really quick. And to, um, from my understanding, and I won't say more about anything private. Uh, well, I'll just say for, for anyone who gets doxxed and it is correct information about your residence, which is anyway, if that happens to you. Uh, you should contact the police preemptively is what I would say because you don't, you don't want a swatting situation. You don't want any of that. You should let them know that you think someone is targeting you uh, for some sort of malicious purpose. And it's the same thing that I did when some of my information was out there and with potentially malicious actors that the sheriff's department knows here that if they get some call about uh, some hostage situation of this particular arrest that is almost certainly false and they should call these numbers to evaluate that claim. So you can protect yourself that way. As far as um, I, I, like, I guess the question you're posing maybe is, can you out dox the doxer? <laughs> and while I don't, I, I I'm not dismissing the, um, 
the desire for revenge and or justice. I, I, I do wonder about the practicality of it though, that, that, well, I'm, not, I'm not looking for revenge. I think yeah. you know that. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, what should be done about that sort of philosophically, um, you know, on principle. Yeah, I don't I don't know that you have much if you're if you're if you're looking for some sort of justice concept here, I don't know that you have much option other than. Whatever, trying to get everyone in the community to reject association with this person and or trying to outdo them at their own game, but trying to outdo a person like that at their own game, I would caution against just because I think it's more likely than not to escalate to bad things. Even if you're somewhat justified in, in that effort, to the extent that these people are willing to do that, they lack a moral core in the first place and they are probably capable of Oh, they already know that, though. Yeah, and that—that's right. why and, my and they don't care. That's why as unsatisfying right. as the same kind of people who tell you that you should sterilize, uh, you should spay and neuter your children. Uh, yes, as Bob Barker would put it. Yeah, um, hmm. I, I, and I know there's, a, there's, it's unsatisfying to choose the path of of walking away rather than trying to do something in some sort of affirmative defense. But with this particular situation. I mean, my my advoc- my advice, not just to you, but to anybody would be to get as far away from this person as you can. And just if if your information has been exposed correctly, just protect yourself from any abuse of that that could possibly happen, which is yeah, most yeah. likely someone trying to, to show up at your house or call the cop more likely than not trying to swat you because they don't have the courage to show up at your house themselves. I, I can sense the un, the dissatisfaction in your gro- in your groan or grunt there, though, and so I'll give you. You won't last. be mad forever. Well, it's, it, no, 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 I I wouldn't say it's dissatisfaction. I would say it's mere acknowledgement. Yeah. Why did this happen? Why did, um, did they think that you wronged them, or were they just being a cock or something? Uh, he's a faggot. Who cares? <laughs> Plain and simple. All right. <laughs> That's all I got. Okay. Oh, um, Dangerous Spaces asked me to remind you that um, it's the last of course. Uh, call and show yeah. of the, yeah. Okay. Well, listen, um, I, I will say, obviously, on behalf of the, the show and the community, I'm sorry that that happened to you. And I know that you understand that, that obviously, we and I have nothing to do with that and, and don't yeah, support yeah, of that course. sort of thing. I'm not saying you're accusing me of that, but I just wanted explicitly stated so that, that you know. And I know that even if we can't get some perfectly satisfactory resolution here that um that i it, obviously you, you have my support and my understanding and if there are things that i can do to help you out um i i will do what i can and and there there is a reason too why uh the discord community is kind of a um it's like Total its own it's like its own oh. animal man and yeah rather, it's a hell hole. yeah rather than be in there trying to police every little thing all the time I have a few trusted people who are part of that community who are able to handle it and handle it in a way that I hope is as close to the spirit of that community as possible without making it you know super ban heavy or overly policed or whatever. So, you know, I, 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 I'm very sympathetic with the spot that you're in. And of course, if you see any flavor of it again, then we can evaluate how to resolve that. But, uh, 
But sure. yeah, I, I appreciate you being good, good natured about it and, and understanding why the decisions that are being made are made and, and how all of that is going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's only really so much that any of us can do at the end of the day. There yeah. will be malicious actors in, in any social community. You just sort of have to figure out how to, yeah. how to I, cope. And that's the thing is if I, if I take the, uh, if I took them, if I personally took a more active role in the Discord server and tried to evaluate everything and ban, you'd be there it, forever. Well, I'd be there forever. <laughs> but the other thing is, the people who are truly that malicious, they will find their ways. I know you can do IP bans and you can do this, but it's like if someone wants to do, oh, I know how to get around that. They That's they easy. just do. It's whack a mole forever. You know, and yeah. and yeah, there's, yeah, there's, it sucks. There's no real way to. There's no real way to deal with people who are determined to be bad actors. And, yeah. I mean, unless you um, involve walls and rifles, but anyway. Um, Final the, solutions. Uh, okay. We have yeah. a real theme going tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's, this has been a, yeah, quite, quite a night. Well, thank you for calling, man. Again, I'm sorry about the situation, but I, I hope and trust it will resolve. And of course, uh, we always enjoy hearing from you. All right. Y'all have a good night. You as well. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, I mentioned we were going to get some more callers and then here we are at the top of the hour and uh, let's see, let's just get a couple of quick chats and then we'll come to the chats at the end of the show. I don't have any on rumble. So we're caught up there. D live. We're good. We left off with uh, Candace Owens. Oh, Candace Owens is here too. Okay. Oh, oh shit. I lost my face. Oh, I also want to date a date with blonde. That's the real reason me and Crowder are fine. Didn't she say that he slid into her DMs? Did she say that? I don't know. I don't know, man. This There's thing is such a shit show. A bidding war for a date with Blonde now. I don't know what to make about all of this, though. Because she filed for divorce when their twins were like two months old. I obviously do not know enough about their relationship to say whose fault it is. And, well, no and, one does. Yeah. That's why it's enticing. I know. But I don't nice. know. I had one newborn. And like if I found out that my husband was banging lady boys or whatever... I'd be like, I will pay you to stay with me. That's how much I needed help. So I cannot imagine. <laughs> That's not the direction I thought you were going to go with that. That's I, No, I mean, I, I yeah. can't imagine how pissed off she must have been to have newborns, newborn twins, two months old and a file for divorce. At the only or maybe thing she's I'll, insane. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I, we have one side of the story. The only thing I'll say about that side of the story that I am very sympathetic with, though, is... The fact Those that poor the, kids. the legal standard is if one party wants out, that's it. It's done. And I take yeah. him at his word that he he does not want a divorce. He says that. And for all the criticisms you may wish to throw at Steven Crowder or not, maybe you're the biggest Steven Crowder super fan in the world. Um, I, I, I take him <clears throat> sincerely that he doesn't want to put his kids through the disaster that is a divorce. I believe him 100% in that. And even if... No matter what he's he's done, whatever he did to deserve this or something, if people want to argue otherwise, yeah, that is still uh, that does that still does not justify the punishment that's being placed on these kids, and and it is a punishment. Of course not. Well, no. And then uh, if you if you have children with a man, they'd been together for you know a decade before yeah. she filed for divorce. If you have children with a man, unless he's uh, cheating on you or beating the shit out of you. You really have no grounds for divorce, which he like, says really is not don't. the case. And, and frankly, I case, yeah. I believe him. I don't know. I, I I'll take his word for that. Uh, yep. I think that and I've had my criticisms of him in the past. 
But I, I do take him at his word that I think he's sincere on his belief that that marriage is not just fundamental for its social utility about building all the best society that we can. But yeah. I, I do believe him when he says that his commitment to his wife and his children are first and foremost, even if he's had slips along the way. And we all have. Yeah, it's a bummer. So a bummer. I, I feel for the situation. I feel for his kids and I hope it gets resolved to the best that it can. Me too. I'm still going to watch this go down though. Candace is going like crazy black chick on him. Season desist <laughs> lawyers. And well, here's the, the thing. thing. I need to shut the hell up because I don't want anything to do with a fight with either of them. No, I mean, we are not on the level. Okay. Like we could talk about, we could make seven streams about this. They would never know. Oh, I ever said I've pissed off Steven Crowder for five seconds before I felt the wrath. (laughs) Sure. It was many (laughs) years ago. No, I, and of course, as I've mentioned many times, I there, it's like nothing more than some bullshit that if I were able to talk to him today, I would say, you know, I'm sorry that that played out the way that it did. I don't hold any ill will. I don't like the way that the daily wire thing was handled, but that doesn't mean that I want to see him suffer. I don't want to see his family. He might've been trying to get out of that contract because she would get half too. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe that, I don't know. Any, the, at the same time, I don't want to shy away from talking about topics because I, f- I fear these like, I don't know, people who are people who have hair triggers with their <laughs> with their response. Quartering is doing that thing where he's like, I'm not going to talk. About I know this and I'm, anymore. That's me <laughs> right he now. Makes, like seven videos about it. <laughs> yeah, I know this is the last one, guys. This and that's me right one. now. This is the last five minutes of the stream. Listen, I'm not going to say shit about this, but however. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, no, it's I, sad. Uh, all right, anyway, that's it. Yeah, let's. Uh, um, we'll come back to your chats at the uh, at the end of the stream. Uh, anyway, thank you guys. Appreciate it very much. Let's um, talk to. I'll uh, have to just circle back with you. Let's talk to Mustache Asian, Mister Mustache Asian. Are you there? Oh hey, yes. Hey. Yeah, two two Asians in the role with Batman. So I try to make it. That's quick. right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was listening earlier about you know the whole like picking your battles. Yeah, mm-hmm. reminds me of a movie I recently went and watched was called Nefarious. I don't think everybody's guess. been talking about this. Can you tell me why people want to get this banned? Um, I think it was maybe, maybe because they tried to expose what de- how devil really thinks, how how the enemy really thinks, and is oh. being told like the screw tape letter. It's basically the guy who wrote the book behind it said like he is inspired by screw uh, screw tape letter, but it's set in a modern or like a current you know setting. Told from the devil's uh, perspective. So, Interesting, yeah. and it's only yeah, in so, theaters right now, right? Yeah, it's in theaters right now. So, and and supposedly they're they're. I think the studio that we were filming in, the roof got torn off in a storm. Oh lord! Yeah. And yeah, so and and the um, the the rating system, the yeah, the I guess the movie rating committee give it an R because they are afraid of people bringing their kids to it. Hmm. You know, uh, because but then it's like it's never really an R. I went and saw it. It's like it was slightly slow. That's the only critique I had for it. But the acting was good and the script was good for a Christian movie. So yeah, so it's uh, it's not it's pretty good. And actually, it was sold out uh, at the showing I went to. So really? Was, yeah, yeah. It was it was not bad. But yeah, so um, yeah, so just good, good to uh, bring go and support it. You know, sure. wherever they, they have showing for it. So I think ultimately the biggest battle that you have to win for yourself is the spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. If you don't win that part, then then 
there's no point in winning any other battle really so that's what i came to the 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 hmm. conclusion i came to for myself so that's that's, uh, that's well put and insightful i like i like that uh perspective there there's so much to the prior points about you know, what tactics are legitimate legitimately deployed in fighting mm-hmm. what sorts of evil and even yeah. to the points where we're talking about how to achieve justice in the face of doxing or whatever else, it, it, no matter what, there is some level of injustice, unfairness, wrongness, immorality that you are just going to have to accept. I, I, I don't yeah. say that to say you should lay down for everything that is every injustice that is presented before you. But it is to say that that you are never going to get your way every single time, all of the time. And there's got to be some sort of mechanism that you have for maintaining personal peace. Despite that fact, what is that mechanism? Uh, how do you handle it? What all of those questions? I think, and I think you're really getting at that, that if you maintain a faith in a, in a higher form of justice above your own personal assessment of it your own personal pursuit of it as justified as those things may be that if you have the the faith in that that higher justice above yourself you'll be able to accept some of those injustices where they arise when you have to there's nobody lives a a long healthy life without watching a, a fair amount of injustice happen between watching their kid getting bullied at school or watching their country go to war yeah. So the response has to be something more measured than anyone who does that shit gets the wall as much as the wall may be justified from time to time. Um, I think it's a timing thing. A lot, a lot of it, like we want to have the justice, but then is is like you know, well, I mean, Israel didn't go into Canaan because God was waiting for the the sin to boil over. Essentially, the timing was right, and then He brought Israel into basically clear out the plan. So yeah, so that was, uh, that was at least that's what from the, the biblical way of seeing it. But, so yeah, I mean, I mean, just quickly moving on from that was that the, uh, the amount of injustice right now, right? Like CR's firearm got convicted, Matt Hoover. Oh over, yeah, I, I may want to talk about that. Card thing. Yeah, the yeah. key card thing is so outrageous. We got into it with just a little bit of time on Sunday, but I was reading yeah. more about it today in some of the... Uh, expert testimony at the trial oh my god what a again just to remind people this is the uh the chunk of sheet metal that had the certain shape etched onto it and that was deemed a machine gun part because you could conceivably dremel the the shape out of the metal and put it into an ar and make it full auto so in effect what you're talking about is a credit card shaped piece of sheet metal with a certain shape drawn on it that the federal government says is a machine gun and will put you in prison for years because you had that particular shape of metal. Yikes. And that's how they justify the, the Ombre's ban probably will be, you know, I heard the, uh, I heard the director, the ATF director got grilled uh, pretty harshly on Capitol Hill today, but I didn't catch any of that about the brace stuff. Really? Yeah. That's encouraging. Yeah. He was, he was like, um, and he was like the, the I think Matt, uh, I think was it, forgot, uh, sorry, I forgot the name. I always see it's a he picked up the original model of that very original version of that brace mm-hmm. and said, "Is this exempt from the law from your rule?" Because you said because the brace change, so we 
we implemented this law, this rule change. Is like, is this an exam from your your uh, your rule? Because it's the original. And he's like, he's he refused to say no. He <laughs> say, we'll, we'll we'll evaluate it. It's like really, uh, so, yeah. yeah. Well, they evaluate yeah. on a whim all the time. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God damn it. This is going to be yeah. real entertaining, though. Uh, it's T minus uh, a month and change to National Felon Day. Everyone get ready True. Monday, June 1st. Yeah. Oh, no, that's not a Monday. Like, Sorry, that's May. It is Thursday, June 1st. That's National True. Felon Day. True. Yeah. And the one positive thing I got out of is that um, my lefty, like, lefty work, co-worker, even, even he was pissed off at this rule. Really? Yeah. So, so yeah, he's he's like, I want to have a pistol. I want to have a PCC, pistol caliber carbine. Well, I if he's get it because if yeah. he's interested in firearms to that extent, he can't be that lefty. He's not ideologically pure. It's weird. It's weird because like he he even wants to join the socialist gun club. Mm. What? That's a once. thing. Yeah, the, it's, you know, like the the John Brown Gun Club. Yeah. Right. So yeah. But then it's like, well, that's the only thing I think like in, in the office that I can agree with him on if we're talking about politics. So He'll come around. Guns, that's that's where it starts for some people. Yeah, yeah. Almost nobody, it's a weird double negative way to phrase it. Almost nobody doesn't have fun at a gun range. Everybody has fun oh, at yeah. a gun range, except for yeah. real losers. If you take someone for to sure. a gun range and they're like, oh, this sucked. Oh, I was scared. Oh, it was too loud. That's a loser. You don't need to be friends with that person. It's a good no. test. Not everybody has to love it. Not everybody has to go every week. But if you take no. someone to a gun range and they have a bad time, that person sucks. Get away from them. Don't associate with that person. It's the best date. Also, I, I yes. no, that's not I guess that's not true. I, I did kind of do that with my wife. We sort of it wasn't our, our first date, but the first time she came out here. That's right. That's not happened. the first time she, she came out here. Um, <laughs> I bought her. <laughs> This isn't how it played out, ATF, so don't worry about it. The firearm <laughs> stayed in my possession forever. It wouldn't have been California legal, which is all true. But I bought her the gift of uh, an AK. I never owned an AK until that. So we picked wow. up an AK on our first trip out here, and it always stayed here. But we went out to some public land, and we shot an AK on her first visit out to Montana. And Did you so, guys do it then? What is this, Titanic? No, I'm just <laughs> saying, shooting guns is a total... I did this with my husband on our third date. We, um, he took me to shoot guns and I shot an AR 15 and then yeah. he took me to dim some and then we met out in his car for like 30 minutes. It was awesome. That gets the women going guys. Take them I'm to telling the you, it was the best date I've ever been on. It was so fun. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, <laughs> All right. did you have a final words? Do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, final words is just, yeah. uh, just, you know, good luck to Aero Precision and various other plaintiffs against Washington's government. Yeah. God, yeah. that too. Because, you know, fuck them. Yeah, really. Just, just sorry. Yeah, just, the just, silver just, lining yeah, is it's a potential, it's a potential Supreme Court appeal type case mm-hmm. at post Bruin. Maybe you get yeah. that be- quote unquote benefit out of it, but it's hard to see it as a benefit when the proper order of things is this never happens in the first place. So, yeah. Yeah. anyway, yeah. all right. I probably um, would want to go and get some arrow uppers after this. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Bury them around the land and make a map of where they are for the future when they're needed. Yep. Cool. See you, man. All right. Have a good night, man. Bye. 88M. 88M, are you there? Yeah. Hi. What, what's on your mind? 
uh, I have two options for you too. Option number one is uh, the reasons why the AR-15 has come popular the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. Or uh, things about my life. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, not that I... I'm sure you have very <laughs> interesting things going on in your life. And not that I didn't waste time talking about my own personal life earlier, but for the sake of things that I think the audience will understand a little bit better, why don't we talk ARs? Okay. Yeah. The AR-15 platform dates back you know, back to the 1950s and it came commercial in, in the early, you know, late 1950s. So why did the American public not really care about that much about the AR-15? You know, what, Until recently, yeah, too recently. And, and you're asking, or are you going to explain? No, no, it, I'm going to explain. Okay. The three reasons I came to is federal government, baby boomers, and federal government. <laughs> why is why do the feds get two? I think I can guess, but uh, one is the federal assault weapons ban, right? Oh, so two different things they did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they banned the salt. Yeah, you know, they banned them for ten years, and they came back, and people were like, "Ooh, I want this now," because mm -hmm. before it wasn't. It was something banned, right? We all we all want the cookie in the cookie jar. Mm -hmm. The cookie could be on a plate, but until it was in the cookie jar, we want it. The second thing it was because of the wars in Iraq, Afghanistan. You know, we sent a million young men over to fight in Iraq, Afghanistan. Yeah, and the funny thing is like. We sent you know, millions of men to Vietnam, but they didn't come back with the same interest in the AR did in the Iraq Afghanistan guys did. But for me, is my what I think of it is that the guys who went to Iraq Afghanistan, you know, they went over for a year, they came back, they went over, you know, they stayed in America for a year, and they went back and forth. Yeah. So they got used to uh, having a rifle with them all the time. Mm -hmm. But they were also used to a civilian lifestyle too. Oh, interesting. Where the yeah. Vietnam, where the Vietnam guys in the War II generation in Korea, you join the army, you serve for three years, you didn't go home for three years, then you were discharged, you went home, and you're like, I'm anything with the military, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Like I'm done, I'm done. I, I want to get my life back on track. I was drafted or I volunteer, get me back on track. Where the yeah. Iraq Afghanistan guys. They had your yeah your break between deployments. Yeah, and anecdotally thing, too, I wonder if it's a factor that, of course, the for the Vietnam guys, the the rifle platform was a lot earlier, and supposedly it had a lot more trouble in the Vietnam theater. Just uh, in terms, that, not only how the rifle system ran, but the actual ballistics of the five five six round in the jungle environment, as opposed to say the more open desert type situations that you saw in some of the more, the more modern wars. Yeah. And, and that's, I'll say one thing that's the army got the hands on the weapon. That's why it had some issues. Yeah. Like your, your two thousands era, uh, AR for the civilian or say M four in the military context was quite a bit different from the M 16 rifle that was deployed 50 years prior, you know? Yeah. A lot, I guess a lot of guys hated them. They kind of sucked in the jungle. From no, they they work function properly. It's just the army did some stupid things in the first year of deployment with them. Just the army said no clay kits. We gotta save money. Oh, is that it? Yeah, they the army yeah. was being stupid like the army's mm -hmm. always. But I want to make it fast. But uh, another thing is that training put the army soldiers in Iraq, Afghanistan. We start training them with. 
you know, the old sh- back then was, all right, guys, we're going to the range today. Here's your 100 rounds. Shoot at the target at 300 meters. And you hit. Good job. Where the soldiers in Iraq, Afghanistan, they start out with that training. But then they, they got, they received more training because of the different combat experience in Iraq, Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So we started making a more shooting comp- competition culture in the military. Yeah. And the thing is like, I, I point out the baby generation, but I point out generations, you know, down from them is that they weren't giving up their firearms to the younger generations anymore. So when, you know, the soldiers came home from Iraq, Afghanistan, they're like, I miss having a rifle. I'm going to go down to that gun ring, you know, gun store and go buy a rifle myself. And they're So it's all the boomers think- fault. Is that what you're saying? Once again? <laughs> yes. Oh, well, <clears throat> that- yeah, they went to the gun store and were like, huh, yeah, they probably were thinking about buying like a bolt action or buying a pistol or buying a lever action. But on the wall, they saw AR-15. I'm like, hey, I know that. I train with that. I know how to operate that. I have some old magazines still. So, hmm. right. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think your your explanations make a lot of sense. And, and I will say... Um, well, I, I can add two things to that personally and anecdotally, what you're describing was very important to my brother to have effectively a clone of what he had in Afghanistan, at least as close to po- as possible in a civilian legal sense. So I've seen that in action. And the other thing I'll say for me personally, as someone who was not as into guns at that time and has since got into them, what was this? What's the reason that I got into ARs? Um, it's, they're a great platform. They're, they're awesome. They're, they're a great gun, all sorts of modifications. You can do them all sorts of parts. They're very cool, but that's not why I got into them. The reason I got, got into them is because of David Hogg and his friends after park. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you guys want to ban? I guess I, I guess I need to get one and learn all about it. So I think that you're right, that there's a lot of government and media forces that that call it the no no bad guy thing and prompt people like me who are sort of on the cusp of interest in it not necessarily super into it but sort of just kind of marginally interested to to make that move and say okay you guys want to take this away or you want me not to have this now i'm going to get it just to spite you and once you do you get kind of down that uh down that uh proverbial rabbit hole and you start um doing your own rifle modifications or building your own. And you see why people like the platform so much because you can, you can build it into almost any configuration you want. And that's so. the thing, like the history, like it's funny about like veterans who bought AR 15s. Like yeah, at first they bought AR 15 made off the rack and then yeah. they did what your brother did. I want the weapon as close as possible to what I serve with. Yeah. And then after that, they may build like the dream weapon, like the dream AR 15. Yeah. And then after that, they go like, Wow, I made my dream ray R- AR-15. Wow, that's way too easy to shoot. I want to go get a V-NOM M-16 because I want to challenge myself again. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next build that I want to do. I'm not a, I'm not like a collector guy. I don't, I'm not the, the most, I don't have era authentic rifles in my possession, at least a lot that's very meaningful. But I would like to have um, something as close to like a, a 1960s era uh, M-16 clone AR that I could do. It doesn't have to be totally authentic, but I think it'd be fun to have that, that, you know, the longer barrel setup and, uh, and, and the carry handle and all the stuff that you saw in the jungle at the time. It'd be a nice one to have. And I don't have that. Uh, like for my first AR is a copy of the M16 A4. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I did the opposite of what everyone else does with that. They put a cog on it. I go, no, I put a, 
red dot on it. Well, there you go. That's what the army did. I don't care if it's a 20-inch barrel. Yet, I didn't commit the crime, but I am haunted by it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for your thoughts, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, you too. Enjoy yourself. You as well. Uh, when, uh, to call, to call back to the date that won your heart, was that your first, uh, AR experience or did you have one prior to that? No, I hadn't. Yeah. I was petrified. Really? Was, had you yeah. ever, had you shot rifles before? Just not that kind of rifle or that was no, I shot shotguns before. Then. Well, if you'd shot shotguns before and you go to an AR, you, you probably were afraid to start, but then you realize it's actually much easier and smoother than shooting a shotgun and a shotgun. Yeah. Um, but I was skeet shooting. It wasn't in like a, I don't know why that's different. It wasn't in like the, um, setting of a firing range. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's get a couple more calls before the, uh, we have to get dangerous spaces in too. So let's talk to Wes. Wes, you're good to go. How's it going? Hey, what's on your mind? Well, uh, so first off, I want to say, hey, thanks. Your uh, dating website paid off. Wow, really? And I had the same first date that Blonde just described. Took her to a gun range. I can't <laughs> hear her anymore. All right, but you're saying it was, so it was successful. When was this? Uh, this was like three weeks ago. And the uh, she hasn't left you yet? No, surprisingly, okay. no. Um, we we agree on everything important. This weekend, I'm having her over in my neck of the woods. We're gonna She's going to meet my family. I've already been Very over sad. there. We're, we're, we're two states away from each other. It's a three-hour drive, so it's workable. Um, long-distance relationships suck, but yeah. um, I I thought like this can only go wrong is if one of us is lying to each other. Because if we're not lying to each other, um, we agree on everything important. Mm-hmm. And we've met each other and we like each other. First date was... She actually emailed me when I was on vacation in Japan. She emailed me. Um, That's how this all and, started. She found you. Yeah, well... Yeah, I think you I was the lucky only son of a she, bitch. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> very rare to turn out that way. Normally, yeah. uh, the, the when I signed up for your dating, your singles listing, I reached out first and never got any emails back. So I just kind of forgot about it. How she long ago was that? Like, how long have you been on the list? <laughs> about a year. Wow. Pays off. Yeah. So um, that's going well. And I owe it to y'all. Uh, first date was a gun range. And then we hid from the rain in a parking lot in my car. We hung out in the back seat. It was great. Cue the Titanic sounder that I don't have. Yeah, uh, yeah we didn't, no, we didn't, I'm not. We didn't do all that. I'm not going to get personal. I wouldn't do that, of course. Yeah. Uh, so, but no, um, I, yeah, as seriously speaking, I, I and we, I, t- I take that as a tremendous honor to know oh, that yeah. that's that yeah. you have found something that is hopefully of high value, and that to to have the show sort of uh, serendipitously facilitate something like that is. Uh, just incredibly gratifying from a personal standpoint. I, I really appreciate you hear that it. he's gratified by yeah. your backseat action. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, no, um, I, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for letting us know. It matters a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was a lot more that happened there. I had to go to the ER later, but we won't get into all that. Okay. There's more important topics. Wait, what, was it a gun accident? No, 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 okay. no. It was, uh, I, I'm not going to get into it. Was it so testicular I to talk torsion? About Blonde's fallen state interview, but there was some guy in the Discord who made me promise to talk about James Lindsay's um, talk he gave. Huh. It's on his new Discourses can- channel called "The Negation of the Real," and okay. the easiest way I can break it down is just read the timestamps that somebody put out. So what his entire talk was about was that there is this secret religion in the West and all over the world that has been 
basically been there since the beginning. Um, and I'm going to start by reading the times now. So secret religions operate by creating fake versions of things that deserve authority. First, I'll name it for you. It's the, the corpus hermeticum, the hermetic faith. So he says to beware of confidence epistemology and the creation of counterfeit authority, which is how they operate. They create this counterfeit authority by saying that we know what reality is. Um, they, he likens it to gender. The gender expands and negates biological sex, sex through performance. This was Judith Butler. She said that, you know, I don't really feel comfortable in the sex that I'm born with, so maybe I'm just performing it, and that's not really what I am. And that idea spread. Um, the spiritual path of the hermetic faith leads to gnosis, which is special knowledge, which is achieved by a change in the heart of the reader or listener. Truth and faith are powerful tools in understanding the world. This will take two minutes to go through the whole thing. Hegel that is the name of one of the, their philosophers, Hegel, who influenced Marx. Mm -hmm. Hegel's dialectical method moves from abstract to concrete understanding. And by concrete, mm -hmm. we don't mean like we think. Their concrete is this hyper-realism, this realer than real. Hegel's logic is circular and sorcerous. It, it supposes the beginning, it supposes itself as the beginning to reach their desired end, leading to false knowledge. Uh, he then goes on to the danger of gnosis posing as science in modern and most postmodern politics. That's why science is so jacked up. You have Fauci saying, I am the science because he has right. special knowledge about how things ought to be. Um, systemic change is necessary to prevent accidents and eliminate the car industry. He was talking about Buttigieg and how it's it's critical car theory. We have car accidents because people have cars and that we, ha we have a society critical where that theory. sort of thing can happen. You know, I did um, hear him say, too, and I'll be brief because I don't want to cut off your point here but he also on the topic of critical car theory he said something to the effect of car crashes are a race problem because poorer communities cannot afford the sort of street safety infrastructure like traffic lights or crosswalks that more wealthy predominantly white communities have and that's why car crashes are also oh my a god dis that's retarded disproportionate because, because Nothing is problem. up to the individual. It's all because of the system we're in, this oh, reality. Everything is tied. Everything is circular. It all ties into itself. Yeah. That is that is part of the hermetic faith. These people are religious nuts, whether they know it or not. What we so, need, what we need is traffic signs at the crosswalk. We don't need the little walking guy. It should say it should say don't walk N word with the soft A. <laughs> or something like that. We have to make it urban friendly. We need ebonics on the street signs to make sure that, yeah, yeah. that pedestrian and traffic fatalities are no longer a racial. The crosswalk problem. guy is white. That's yeah. true. Continuing on. Yeah, sorry. I told. Um, I said I wasn't going to derail your point. And here we go. Yeah. Carry on. So negate negating reality is necessary to impose a fake solution and make it acceptable as a real solution. So when he says negating reality, uh, I can't remember exactly how to articulate that. It's it's as simple as saying it's not just as simple as saying that's not real. It's more like saying that's not really what you're thinking is. We have special knowledge about what the real problem is. And then communism is the resolution of conflicts between man and nature and between the individual and the species. The goal is to negate the real to create a structural hyper real simulation, a simulation of reality that they dictate and create. They, they believe that the Godhead in Christian theology, Godhead is father spirit and son for them it's god mind and man man is part of the divine godhead and only by realizing that you are god can you break the the prison the prison of reality and be able to construct the hyper reality the more real than mm. real is what they call it 
So Hegel's philosophy is based on the belief that he alone knows the presentation of God, how God is, and completed logic. And we must recognize and resist secret esoteric religions hiding his economics, politics, and science. So that's all the bullet points Okay. that that condenses it as best as I can. Thankfully, I think I followed. My brain is pretty fried at this point. But I, I, in general, you're talking about uh, sort of false gods. Like you, we have to be careful of, of elevating certain topics or individuals to – God status uh, unjustifiably, or am I well, missing? Well, they're the also point? elevating themselves. Yeah, I guess exactly. Yeah. Blonde yeah. has the right of it. They are elevating yeah. themselves. They are saying that we are gods. We can. And one of one of uh, Hegel's favorite people to quote was some poet. I can't remember his name, but he quoted. <laughs> he he has this quote that is actually from a demon in this in the the poem that he loves to quote, uh, Malthestus or something like that. And it said that all that exists deserves to be destroyed. These people hate reality because they want to create their own reality which yeah. is more advantage to what they like well that's, that's the why, heart of postmodernism, isn't it yeah that's why nothing they do makes sense it's because they want to recreate reality in their own image yeah it, it's satanism it is the doctrine of genesis 3 it is yeah. pure yeah. purely satanic they don't know it but they they think it mephistopheles yeah somebody in the chat put it that's the name okay. of the demon um no th so this Juan, is Oh, sorry. Go ahead. All right, go ahead. Uh, you go ahead. You point. ask your question. Oh, no answer. All right. Um, no, they, this is a nice way to wrap up a lot of the themes tonight because what I was having trouble articulating earlier, I think, is uh, responses to a lot of these challenges. That that what restraints should you have in the the way that you choose to fight or how you choose to respond to certain injustices? What's justified? What isn't? What you're talking about is having the humility and and the respect for the sort of moral restraints that we all must obey as a matter of the, the order of the universe, rather than elevating ourselves to the role of God and deciding that, you know what, the universe is only what I say it is. And, and I set the rules in pursuit of what I deem to be good. And when I do that, I license myself to abuse others. So long as I get the ends that I want. Yep. And, because and if you have bad politics, you're not actually a real person. You haven't actualized yourself. So yeah. You're not, you're not part of the Godhead yet. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's easier, easy. It's easy to say that in the general terms, what's hard is defining the the specifics of those rules. But, but when we erase that concept of humility before a higher structure of justice and, and rules in general, that's exactly the result that we get that we get is what you're describing. These sort of godless people who ascend to power based on their own delusions of grandeur in that way, and just abuse others to what they view as justice. Yeah. yeah, what's really interesting about James Lindsay is he's not a Christian. He he doesn't believe it, but he recognizes and he talks about this in that two-hour talk that religion and science, when working together, keep each other grounded. Religion ah. says that you are not God, you don't get to be God, and you are restrained by some things. Whereas science, when it's based a little bit more on faith, it uh, it it keeps religion grounded and keeps it from getting too mystical. I think is what he argued. That's interesting. I've never thought of them. People often he's, frame them as as opposing concepts, and I'm not convinced that they have to be. But he's not even saying they're opposing necessarily. They're almost complementary. Yeah, he says yeah. they hold hands. Yeah, exactly. Um, look into how the Enlightenment period started. It became I, I listened to another hour long discussion on it, and it was this idea that the world is such that we can understand it because it's logical and created by God Two. We are the type of creatures that can understand it because we were created to do such a thing. And three, it is good to understand it. And in fact, it is a form of worshiping God. It started with Christians who wanted to understand God's world. They don't, they're not in opposition. We, 
Christians basically revolution or not revolutionized, pioneered the scientific method. Yeah, uh, if, these concepts are too high level for my 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 fried brain. Two and a uh, hour and a half in, going on two hours. So I I I will have to leave it there and just say thank you for the thoughts. I you I think you've helped to clarify a lot of the more difficult things we were discussing earlier. Yeah, yep. I would highly recommend you listen to that two hour thing. Blonde, read Romans. Okay. Please read Romans. Don't right. let your priest read it for you. Read it yourself. Thank you. Thank you Good for night. the call. And uh, send our regards to your lovely lady. Congratulations, yep. guys. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Bye. Have a good night. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, I, I love to hear those stories. That is uh, that is a personal honor. Uh, so we appreciate it. Okay. It is the uh, last call-in show of the month, which means we talk to our friendly call-in screener or call screener, Dangerous Spaces. Hello. Hey, guys. How are we going? <clears throat> We are well. Uh, what's on your mind? Um, not too bad. Um, so I've kind of, as I've said before, I've been thinking about my topics and I kind of realized when I thought about this one, I don't know an answer because I had one in my head and then I've thought of a whole bunch of things. So I'd be curious with you guys, what's annoying you most about the media these days? I figure I'd use my journalism degree to actually talk about the media because I haven't done it for a little while. I'm just wondering if there's one thing that kind of stands out as, especially egregious for you guys because i again i tried and i couldn't think of one thing because new things kept popping up in my head so new things that are that bothering me about the media <clears throat> no no do you have one thing specifically because i tried to narrow it down to one thing and every time i did that i thought of something else that annoyed me i'm like i'm not sure i have just one thing okay the most annoying thing is that um they're still using these same tactics that they were using 10 years ago, 50 years ago. There's nothing new and dynamic coming out of the media. And so I find myself um, not having the ambition to be adversarial because I'm like, CNN's still doing the same race baiting horse shit. Fox News is still do doing mean? this. They fired Don Lemon. <laughs> yeah, They're right. racist now. <laughs> this constitutional conservative neocon boomer nonsense. And <laughs> I just like, I'm like, come on, can someone, like Tucker kept things like a little, like every once in a while he'd get close to something that I cared about. And now it's like, oh, I guess they're just back to the status quo. He just posted a somewhat cryptic video implying he's going to do, he said, see you soon. So I guess there's going to be some independent Tucker product of some kind. You trust him? Yeah. It, well, define trust. I mean, and it's kind of relative to what too. Do I think that he's uh, mm-hmm. had a hand in some pretty significant stories? Yeah. I think the, I'll take the January, but there are probably some things that are, that are not fully covered or fully explored. either. like the January 6th uh, footage stuff, for example, on the one hand, important revelations about, um, about QAnon shaman and about some of the other aspects of that day. On the other hand, also very limited. Hmm. We got what was a very small piece of a lot of footage Maybe it's as simple as there's nothing interesting to see in the rest of that footage, but it's sort of frustrating to have that footage disclosed and only okay. see a fraction of a percent of it without our ability to evaluate it ourselves. So to call to to call in your question on trust on that, why why didn't we see more? What was the decision making process that decided there would be no more of that? And maybe that wasn't even Tucker's. Maybe that's somebody who makes higher decisions at the network. Um, I don't know, but. The only thing I was going to add about my frustration is totally 
it's I guess it's seemingly smaller in scale or insignificant in scale, but it does drive me nuts. And I notice it's a uh, well, I would say it's a trend with female journalists in particular, of which there are many these days. And I'm not saying is you that can, the whole thing. I'm not saying it's not. <laughs> I'm I have more to say than just there are chicks in journalism. The problem typical is typical bloody women. Yeah. yeah, none of them are hot. That's um, the real problem. I notice that a lot of female journalistic interviews begin or have too much of some version of the question how did that make you feel feel, or how do you feel and i find that really frustrating number one because in almost all circumstances i don't give a rat's ass how someone felt and it doesn't matter but number two more often the reason i'm watching that interview in particular is because there's some element of fact in that story that is unclear or missing that i'm looking for illumination on <laughs> it's like oh you buried the lead to talk about your feelings yeah it'll yeah. like we'll have one of the we'll have a crazy school shooting like the nashville one where you get this manifesto and all these mysteries and they'll talk to someone directly connected to the story how are you feeling this morning yeah i don't give a ra- look i have sympathy if you're connected to that community that suffered a tragedy of course i have sympathy but just as a news consumer how you felt about it is an irrelevant fact it just is it's not important. To be, and, to, well, to be fair, that's not something I've noticed or necessarily thought about, and that yeah. is kind of annoying because that's not the point of your job. You're not their therapist. You're you're gathering information. That's literally the entire point of your job. And the response is always like, how they're feeling. Uh, yeah, that sucked. It was sad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what what yeah. what what answer are they supposed to give? That was the coolest school shooting ever. You guys should have been there, man. Eight out of ten, better than the last school shooting. What a show. Anyway. Well, the world views but, is based on feelings. So how else are they supposed to report the news? It's 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 irrelevant. And you get the same answer every time. It's worse than sports interviews. Now, how was the game? Oh, I gave 110 percent. And uh, next time we're going to come out and we're going to give 110 percent. That was the bit with uh, <laughs> Key and Peel, right? Didn't they do that? Yeah. Sp- yeah sports yeah. interviews are just as worthless. But um, well, what uh, I assume you asked the question because maybe you have a, a pet peeve yourself that you want to describe. Again, I had one that I kind of thought, ah, oh, that's the biggest annoyance. And then something else popped in my head and went, well, maybe it's that. And so I'm starting to realize there's actually a lot of things that annoy me. Probably yeah. the big one that the one that first jumped into my head was they don't attribute anyone anymore. Like I can still remember the class. I'd like the, the way I used to do classes, I would sit there and I would just listen. I wouldn't take notes because I couldn't do both at once, I couldn't really multitask and concentrate. So I'd sit there and listen, and I really absorbed it a lot better just by doing that. I can still remember the class where they talked about uh, anonymous sources, and they and basically it was a there should be no circumstances virtually where you do anonymous sources. You know, yeah. If they're lost, it's all be anonymous sources. Like that, yeah. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Then now everyone's anonymous. You know, according to people familiar with the matter, fucking name them. Because you know, because they went through the whole thing of if someone's not willing to put their name to a quote or to a claim, you have to question why they would make the claim. You know, they want to be able to say something without having the the blowback of, you know, especially someone pointing out, well, hang on, that's bullshit. Why would that person know this thing? Just for example, you know, that annoys me. Then I thought about the fact that the news and and you know, this has got. I think this got really bad under Trump, but. The news started basically, I mean, they've probably been doing this for a while, but basically they're, they're just a Democrat 
PR firm because I PR was one of my majors. I wanted to be able to understand both sides of the the fight, so to speak. And so I did PR. I watched them and go, "You guys are just a PR firm. You're literally doing the same sort of stuff. You know, you're kind of you're coming up with the the reason." You, you come out with the excuses and the reason for things happening. You're trying to explain the way. You're giving people unfettered ability to. I, I haven't watched the the um. I know, mate. You said to me that the um, the what was it? Uh, Ray Epps. The Ray Epps interview was quite no, funny. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not Classic. sure I want to watch it because it's going to be. It's going to be. I feel like it's going to just frustrate me because the no, other it's, time it's Ray who's frustrating. They actually ask him the tough questions to their credit. Oh, they okay. do. They do ask him, Hey, what's the deal with you saying you orchestrated January 6th? And they yeah. do ask him, uh, I forget what else they, they challenge him on, um, on, on a lot of his points about like what, what he was doing there to, to call on people to go to the Capitol the next day. And, and, uh, there, there was one piece in the footage there that I had not seen before when the first barriers were broken on January 6th. So again, the January 6th, quote unquote, front lines, the first barricades that were pushed down, which pushed down one of the first police officers right before that happens. Ray Epps turns to a guy next to him and whispers something in his ear like this with his hand covered. I had never seen that footage before, but it's as though Ray Epps is is telling the guy it's time it's time push over that barricade and also that cop and then it happens and ray epps said oh i i think i said to him something like this is very bad and we should not be doing this i i have had a change of heart and i will not be participating and you don't believe him anyway uh i would recommend watching it because they actually give him difficult questions to answer not even that they're tough just like questions of fact of that day that he does not have great answers for. And that's why it's frustrating because you don't believe him. Yeah. But yeah, I, I kind of, I don't know if you watch the overtime. There's like just a few minutes and I talking to an FBI guy and some of the stuff he was saying stuff like, you know, you know, the hard right are just looking for a scapegoat. And I'm just like, oh, bloody hell. Anything that Biden does wrong is the fault of Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, and also, we are looking I for a scapegoat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember half the stuff he said, but he was saying a bunch of stuff that's like, this is literally projection. Half of what he's saying is nonsense. And but everybody yeah, it, involved, everybody remotely involved with January 6th, to the slightest possible degree, is a universal scapegoat in every other context to the likes of the January 6th committee and the CNNs and everybody who's politically aligned with that particular perspective ray epps is the one guy who is somehow a sympathetic figure of the january 6th quote-unquote attack ray epps is the only guy that they give the scapegoat exemption to why that That's is the one that why? is one thing i'm curious about because i mean regardless of whether you think he's in any way federally connected that should be a question for the media of why this one guy what is going on here He's the, uh, the one guy who was like, oh, his heart was in the right place and he just made a few mistakes that day. But not that grandma, not that guy who had a couple drinks, not that guy yeah. who uh, had, who has wearing the Viking outfit. No, they were all evil mastermind plotters. But Ray Epps was just good guy, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, I went. Sorry, I'll just say this quickly, lastly, because you, we're kind of you guys are going to be running too late. Otherwise, um, the one that I find really funny is the media. When Joe Biden was running in 2020, um, would never talk to them. He was never around. And now they're all complaining. It's like, we can't ever get hold of him to chat to. It's like, you guys encourage that. You don't get to complain now. You yeah. did that. 
If you had an issue, you should have been talking about that back then. I wonder if he's going to do the basement strategy in 2024 again and how they will justify it this time. I don't know if you guys saw the latest picture of him holding notes. There's pictures now. Yeah, I did see that just before we went live. It's it's cheating, man. He had the question from the reporter ahead of time. But no, it's not even that. I, I, I think it's bad enough that he had questions and prepared answered that he has to read out. Why does he now have to be shown who the person can he not yeah, the, remember that? The photo can is necessary. That That's the Asian chick. Don't forget. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right, man. Well, thanks for your call and thanks for all your help with the show, as always. No worries. You guys have a good night. See you next time. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Uh, all right, that'll do it on calls tonight. I appreciate all our callers. And uh, of course, if you're having trouble getting in live or you'd like to participate, but you can't do it live, you can send us an email question. The way to do that is through the contact page of the website, macrisonsandmedia.com slash contact. Look for the call-in show question form. We'll take those at the end of the stream each and every week as we will right now. Johnny Sacrimony, otherwise known as Johnny Sack. All right. Hey, Matt and Blonde, what are your current weightlifting totals for the main, main, main lifts, bench press, deadlift, squat? Also, uh, what do you do to stay healthy? Calorie counting, fasting, mm-hmm. just curious, as I am in the process of getting that summer body. Thanks. Well, thank you for coming to me, the master of the summer body for all of your summer body needs. Truth be told, I don't know what my maxes are on any of those because I don't max lift. That's not part of my routine. And I know people might scoff at that. Um, I'm not dismissing people who want to max lift. To me, I'm trying to build, uh, especially as I'm 35, like I'm not looking to be the most bulky dude of all time. I'm looking to maintain a practical fitness. And for me, my my workout routine is uh, a lot more of higher rep, lower weight and doing you know a lot of cardio and keeping the heart rate up while I'm going. So it's I'm really trying to maintain cardiovascular endurance and practical strength. I'm not trying to injure myself by trying to squat the most that I've ever done. It's just not what I'm doing. It's like, I don't know what, what I couldn't even give you a guess of what my maxes would be. I've seen, I would, I would like to think that I could comfortably squat and deadlift. I don't know, a few hundred pounds for sure, but I'm not going to be like one of these crazy guys who's going to show up and deadlift 500 pounds or something like that. Well, yeah. Um, it's been a long time <laughs> since I've been even max benched. So I'm I'm sure I could comfortably comfortably bench I don't know 250 something like that. I mean that's I, I but how many reps am I going to get? You it's I just don't know. Not, it's not it's not part of my of my fitness goal to try to reach to to max out every time. So I just don't. I yeah. Okay, this is dismal. This is I, I'm embarrassed to talk about this, but you know I'm a small woman, so I can bench press like 65 to 70 pounds. Probably. Is that uh, in like a max setting or are you doing a bunch of reps on that? In like a, I can probably do like eight of those. Well, that's that's quite a lot if you're doing a high rep. Um, I can probably squat like 70 or 80 pounds. All right. And then I can deadlift like 110. There you go. Super great. Yeah. yeah. And I've been lifting weights for a year <laughs> to show you how weak I am. No, for for me, um, and especially as as I've gotten into it as I get older, so much of fitness and so much of of 
you know, maintaining the, uh, the, the summer bod for which I am famous. No, it's, so much of it is about form. You know, if you're, it's, it's much better to squat a hundred pounds with perfect form than it is to poorly squat several hundred pounds, uh, and do that repetitively. Yeah. But you're going to get strong. It's, it's better to squat than not, or do any of these exercises than not. But if you have to choose between, say, lowering your weight and maintaining a proper form versus trying to be the biggest tough guy in the gym and lift all the way, concentrate on form. Make sure you're doing your exercises correctly. And if you want to increase your weight from there, go for it. But you have to do that or you're going to get hella injured. Yeah. I mean, for me, like building bulk is the last of my my personal goals. And if that's Mm -hmm. what you're looking to do, if you're looking to really build muscle mass, absolutely go for it. It's just not something that I'm trying to do. That's that oh, I don't want to be not looking to be the, a twig. Either. The food thing is the problem though, because yeah. I am so hungry. I, I lift weights twice a week and then I go to bar twice a week. And like, I am so much hungrier than if I'm not working out at all. So I weigh more now. There is a, a dangerous, uh, it, it, there's a, a difficulty in that. Yeah. And I've struggled with that too. I actually find the dieting portion of staying in decent shape much harder than than working out hard. It is so much if, harder. Yeah. Uh, and so I've, d- I've done a little bit better this year. The last few months, I've gotten a little bit more serious about it with, you know, the occasional fallback. I am down about yeah. 10 pounds uh, the last three, two to three months. Oh, really? So I'm closer to exactly where I want to be. But that's just by co- committing myself to eating like spinach salads and stuff. Yeah. You know, not not eating the the high carb food that I crave and just conditioning my body to be like, no, it's uh, it's spinach and apples and chicken. And that's what yeah. you're getting, that kind of stuff. So if you can just a lot of protein, if you can force yourself to change your habits, that's gotten easier over time. Like the first few weeks I tried to do that, I was, I was dying. Like, I don't have enough food. I'm starving. And then yeah. after you do that yeah. for a couple of weeks, that's what your body is conditioned to expect. And it gets a lot easier if you can just get through breaking that initial craving the other side is much easier it doesn't get easier i'm starving all the time you don't adjust to me to me that you get an adjustment after a week or two no i'm just i'm just constantly hungry like i wake up in the middle of the night hungry and stuff night eating don't even get me started love it but that's that the way i've gotten away with that is instead of eating like a sandwich or instead of eating like i don't know I, I love chips and salsa. I fucking love chips and salsa. Mm. It's the best. And it's the best at night. I just love it. But yeah. instead of that, uh, baby carrots, pickles, uh, string cheese. Ugh. I allow myself to have those at night. And that has helped a lot, too. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Baby out carrots and pickles are basically free. That's like no calorie. <laughs> That's true. All right. Charlie, superheroes have become uh, a part of American storytelling tradition. They're omnipotent. And therefore, their bravery has no value. Dress like creepy weirdos and serve as gods, replacing the one true God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, <clears throat> have you ever thought about the negative effect of projecting these role models onto our children? And has the Peter Panning of American men been exacerbated by superheroes? I mean, I think we definitely have like a incel Marvel movie problem. Hmm. But in terms of storytelling tradition, um, I don't know. I I don't think that there are very many things in the world of imagination that I would say are are bad for society outside of, you know, this gender stuff and, you know, propaganda, things like that. 
but I, I hear a lot of this about Harry Potter and um, Harry Potter just made me want to read. So does it even matter that it was about witchcraft, right? I think yeah. encouraging children, especially to engage with this part of their imagination is of high value. Yeah, I don't anticipate being extremely purist about this sort of thing, both because as we talk about frequently, my own journey with faith and religion is something I'm still figuring out and working through. <clears throat> but I know, obviously, I care and know enough about pursuing that moral order in the world that I want that to be a key piece of my children's uh, lives. Right. right. But <clears throat> I don't want to be so purist in that, that I don't allow some imagination, some fantasy, some of the just kind of childhood enjoyment that you're talking about. So I guess the, the balance is going to be, yeah, sure. You can, you can love Spider-Man. You can love Batman, whatever you choose, but let's not confuse them with the God concept. And let's understand what those things are, how one is kind of fun fantasy, how another is, Mm-hmm. is really a, a moral order to which you are bound. And you know, as, as cool as Batman might be and all his gadgets or whatever, uh, he, he is not uh, the moral foundation of the universe. And we, we need to separate those concepts. So I guess it's, it's just, it's not either or to me, it's both and with a proper perspective on which yeah. one of those is of priority. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Uh, Neutratist is up next. I want you to make a credible and inspirational argument for young men to prioritize marriage in current year America about me. I'm a base dude in my late twenties. I have a few resumes that let me work anywhere (laughs) in the country doing cool shit. Uh, I think corporate America is big gay, (laughs) harms the soul and makes you into a bug man. I've grown reasonably pessimistic of romantic relationships. I have friends all over the country. About marriage, you've described marriage as being a transactional arrangement for procreative purposes that ties you to one location while being the best while being at best giving you uh, a purpose. In effect, it burdens you with a mortgage, a stable, a quote unquote stable, quote unquote career to pay for it and limits social options while you're under the constant looming threat of divorce and recreational. Oh, sorry, it might be recreational relational implosion. <laughs> Question, why not go or work anywhere I want doing adventures, prioritize keeping my friends together in a fractured and atomized society and mobilize to where I'm needed when the time comes and or to avoid collapse? Okay, so this is this is interesting because you're you're building the whole thing in the premise of uh, a pending collapse. The, the one thing I will say with an acknowledgement that some of the responsibilities, obligations that perhaps you uh, fear is too strong of a word here that, that that make you skeptical of marriage that that make you marriage skeptical um you're i think this is underselling the actual primary purpose and the primary reward which is your children the the purpose mm-hmm. of the marriage is to give your children the best life that they can possibly have and the greatest prospect for success that they can possibly have and the value of those children not just in the best of times when you uh, when that mortgage and that home are are completely affordable and not a burden at all, and you're living in a palace on a mountaintop and life is great. When it's the actual hell, the apocalypse that you're talking about, you know who you can count on in such a situation. As your cool family. as you think your friends are, and as much as you think that, you, that they have your back, they don't compared to your sons, mm-hmm. and you and they don't com- you don't have their back compared to for your how you have your dad's back, for a lack of a better way to phrase that. 
My point is that in times of struggle, family is all the more important. And even in times of prosperity, it's crucially important. So if you really want, if you want to come at this from the most selfish perspective possible, from the most, the, the idea that I'm trying to put myself in the best position, you do that by building family. And that's what the marriage is all about. It is about, it's about your commitment to your wife, of course, but why? And the reason why is because it that is the best way to provide for your children. That's why. And, and you can't replace children with anything. There's nothing. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't mean that just like if they die or something, I mean, there is no other thing in the world that you can bring into your life that is of comparable value than your kids. There just isn't, you can't replace it with anything. I agree. And then, uh, you know, you have no business procreating under these circumstances. So what's the plan here? You're just going to live a hedonistic lifestyle and you're not going to have a family. And then your genetic line is going to end because you were like worried about getting divorced. I, I don't really understand this. I think it's important for us to mention that like, we, we also love our spouses. Too. Of course. Yeah. Um, um <clears throat> I talk about marriage being transactional and like, it's not in the absence of love. It's just accepting that there are transactional aspects to a marital relationship will help you cope with the inevitable loss of some element of romance, Mm -hmm. uh, which happens in every marriage. Um, So I think it's a good way to, to, you know, brace yourself for the, the reality of marriage, which is that it's largely mundane. And the, the key to a successful marriage is to preemptively mitigate conflict. And that just requires a certain element of, um, of planning and a lack of romance. And if you want to be in a stable marriage, it's not going to be an exciting marriage. So get over it. Anyway, that's the only situation in which you should be having children. So if you want to end your genetic line because you're selfish, uh, I don't care. I'm not going to tell you not to do that. Yeah, it's uh, uh, your point of clarification taken that, of course, I have a commitment to my wife for her own sake and because I love her. But my commitment to my wife was always made on the premise of having children together. Mm-hmm. And my commitment to my wife now is my commitment to my son. The The reason I can't betray her is not just because I love her and she loves me and we happen to get along. It's because my betrayal of her would be a betrayal of my son. Exactly. And, and that is the nature of our relationship. Our relationship is a commitment to each other for his sake. Even before he was born, it was for his sake, for the sake of creating him, bringing him into this world. And so that is the the, the proper framework in which marriage should be viewed. It, that is the reason it exists as an institution, and that's the value it provides to your life. Yep. Nate. Nate. Uh, Nate Higgers. That's very clever. Are you trying to be funny? What would you consider immoral ways to provide for your families that you would not do, even if you were desperate and they would work? Okay. Do you want to take this one first or I have some thoughts? Prostitution. Uh, you, you wouldn't uh, whore yourself out to provide for your family. No, I don't think so. I think that uh, there's always the the classic um is it is it okay or justifiable to to steal to, to steal a, a loaf of bread for your starving family situation? And 
most commonly I hear people say, well, yeah, of course you're desperate. You have to do it. I've never, never necessarily agreed with that. Not because I don't think that you have, you have an obligation to feed your family, of course, but because I think it's sort of a false choice. If I'm in a situation where my family's starving and there's some bakery right over there and I have an easy way to grab a loaf of bread and, and alleviate my family's starvation in the moment. Yeah, I, there's a there's a really good chance I'm going to do that, but I still recognize that I have an obligation to the guy whose property I just stole. And right. I have the <clears throat> option to go back to him and say, listen, man, my family was in a dire situation. I hate that I had to do this to you. Let me make it up to you by sweeping your floors. Let me make it up to you by washing your windows. Let me do something for you in exchange for what you've provided for me. That is to say, even in desperation, you have ways to mitigate, if not correct, the so-called immoral things that you've had to do to achieve the end that you had to. So I guess that's my point is just because you have to do something in the moment to get out of an emergency does not mean you can't go back and seek some sort of correction or some sort of redemption to that later. So are there a lot of terrible things I would do to make sure that my son survives if he was truly about to be killed or about to die? Of course, but that does not relieve me of the obligation to correct those wrongs later to the full extent of my ability. And I would, I would do that. I would try to do that. So I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is I would whore myself out, (laughs) but I, I would correct that after the fact, if they don't kill me for the, uh, for the fraudulent services. (laughs) Uh, no, I don't know. I guess the, the, the other question that you're saying, like, are there, are there some things that you would never do? You're saying, let me put it this. Well, I don't know. I, I'll opt out of the question if you don't want to answer it, because it's a very bizarre question. If it was become a prostitute or your child is killed. Oh, yeah. Uh, you would do it. I'd start S and those D's ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Yeah. I'm not insane. OK. Yeah. I mean, uh, th- th- I guess that's my answer is I. I c- <laughs> do I really want to say there's nothing? Um it is my fundamental job as a father to ensure the survival of my son and God willing uh, future children. So if I neglect that, if I allow them to die when I, there's something in my control to stop that, I feel like I've uh, betrayed my, my moral purpose in this world. Um, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to balk at any scenario in which I have to engage in prostitution to save my son. Mm -hmm. But to answer, but there, I don't know. Is the correct answer, at least in the moment, if it's truly do this or he dies, that you have to do that? Yeah. Pretty much. I'm trying to think of an example where you'd say, no, I won't do that. Yeah, you do. Like, I have to defend him with my life. I have to die on his behalf if the situation demands it. So if I have to die on his behalf, wouldn't I have an obligation to do anything else up to that? Yes. I guess so. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess so. <clears throat> um, let's see. Colin Tokshko. Colin Tokshko. Oh, there you go. That was innocent and clever. I like that. Hey, Blonde. Have you seen the expose Brittany Venti did on Pearl? She seems to be a conservative thought like most, like the most of the rest of them. Um, I haven't seen it. Has it, Okay. Has this changed your mind in her? I haven't seen it, but I have a love-hate relationship with Pearl. Um, she's... 
coming around, you know, I think that we can't have perfect standards for people in this realm, because when you're starting out, you do not know what you're doing. And when your popularity surpasses your intelligence, as it has with me, then uh, you get into some deep trouble. You get into some deep trouble fast and you say some stuff and then you regret it and navigating it is a whole thing. She's totally blue pilled on race. It's a huge problem. Um, but she's right about some of the gender stuff. This thing with cheating is problematic. Problematic. She's turned blonde into a full-blown feminist about it. Well, she's unmarried and she's 27. And she's like, if I, I've seen videos of her say like, if I found the right man, if he cheated on me, I'd get over it. Like if it was before we were married. And I'm like, that's so stupid because you can't marry a man that did that. And yeah, expect well, him not to do it during marriage. That's why the uh, the the whatever podcast is so great. It's watching naive young women who have been indoctrinated into a bunch of nonsense try to rationalize their way out of these insane logic pretzels. And I'm not <laughs> saying I don't haven't seen enough of Pearl to say that's exactly what she's doing here. I'm saying to the extent there may be some similarities, that's what is that's what's so viral about that show. People love watching that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do think that she has a unique perspective because, you know, she's not attractive and she's very tall. Like bare, I think she's like six feet tall. And so um, you can't like how dare you her by criticizing her looks or her demeanor or anything like that, because I'm sure she was bullied like hella bullied. And so she kind of doesn't she has an impervious cloak of confidence. She doesn't give a fuck. And that makes her opinion more valuable than like a very, very hot woman, I think. Okay. Thank you, Colin. That, Drift that Rock. That is all. All right. That's it on uh, on the uh, Pearl situation. Drift Rock. Oh, my Rock. God. We have so many questions. Yeah, we'll have to probably move a little quicker. But uh, CEO of Anheuser-Busch says, it was, a, it was stunning and brave of us to alienate a large fraction of customers on behalf of our elites here in Washington, D.C. Rupert Murdoch says, oh, really, mate? <laughs> Hold my can of hamster piss identifying his beer. I forgot he's Australian, yeah. isn't he? Rupert is he? Murdoch. Is he Australian or British? I thought he was British. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe he's not Australian. I didn't maybe realize I'm, this wasn't a question. Maybe Esoterica I'm thinking, Unbound slid past me, you bastard. But no, wait, he true. is Australian. Yeah. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, his family's British, I think. Mm-hmm. And then he... Yeah, he he's in... He, or he had Australian citizenship until 1985. Now he's a U.S. citizen. But I think his family's British. Anyway. Uh, yeah, the... the, the how Fox is going to move on from this. Maybe they will. I mean, I, I suppose they'll probably have some presence. I'm not saying they're going to go away entirely, but man, uh, who do you pick to fill those shoes? Uh, who walks into that show? It, it, there's that's gotta be so tough to do. And I, yeah, let me qualify the statement I'm about to make by saying, of course I have no delusions that I would do something like that. I'm saying as someone who speaks uh, you know, in media for a quote unquote living. I understand that the difficulty in the situation is it's one reason that I sort of shy away from. And I also shy that I shy away from being some substitute for somebody else and, or having someone substitute for me. Right. The reason people like to listen to my show is because they want to listen to me in the same way. Mm-hmm. I like listening to that guy's show is because I want to listen to him. So when you just start, when you have a, a fill-in host on someone's show, it's not the same show anymore. Even no. if it's only for a week or two, it's like, what the hell is this? This is not why I'm Mark here. Mark Stein, I'm not going to watch. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's what happens. And so when you're the guy who has to step into that situation, in theory, it's an opportunity, 
Like if you're the Tucker fill in even for a week while he's out, it's not an opportunity. You're like, Oh, well, look at all the eyes I'm going to have by which you mean you look at all the people turning on their TV and saying, who the hell is this? I wanted to see Tucker fuck this yeah. and changing the channel. Yeah, exactly. And it's such a tough spot to be in. And I don't know how, especially with all the questions and suspicion that people have about the sort of ambiguous terms on which Tucker was let go. The di- people are just going to hate you automatically for rolling into that spot. I, I get it. It's a theoretical career opportunity for this person. I, uh, Godspeed. I, I view that as just a, I, I don't know. It's, um, that is just as much of a danger, I think, as it is an opportunity. That's a real mm-hmm. dicey spot. Yeah. Yep. All right. Ninja Kitty's up next. I think it's you're up next. Oh, am I sorry? Uh, did you notice <clears> that uh, it was Biden leaning in for that photo op with Zelensky? Last I checked, it was the USA giving a boatload of cash to Zelensky and Biden is off center. Just one more Biden made America a one more way. Biden makes America look weak in the eyes of the world. Matt is looking hot tonight. Blonde <laughs> is meh. Well, thank you. I doubt it. Did he submit that question tonight? How did he know? Uh, he must yeah. have just known ahead of time. Um, I didn't see the photo, so I'll have to punt the question because I just I don't know the photo. But uh, I, yeah, I wouldn't surprise. One more to su- way we're weak in the eyes of the world. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise to be surprised to see Biden looking uh, somewhat submissive to his Lord and Savior Vladimir Zelensky. Sorry. Okay. Cheese maker. Hi, fags. If you could level up any aspect of yourself, strength, intelligence, charisma, et cetera, but you had to decrease another aspect of yourself by the same amount, what aspects would you increase and which hmm. would you decrease? Um, I would decrease intelligence and increase athleticism. Interesting. Um, hmm. I have like 12 excess IQ points for a woman. Maybe more. There are certain physical attributes I would like to improve, but at the cost, it's hard for like, I feel like I'm in a spot that maximizes the talents that I have. Okay. I, yeah. 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 I feel like I'm doing the thing with my life that I'm supposed to be doing. And so to that extent, I don't really want to minimize what I have to work with because it's brought me here to, something that I really love doing and that has been enabled me to, to create a livelihood and provide for my family and everything I love. So I really trash answer. Well, I really do hesitate to to say like, man, I wish I could become like a, an elite athlete or even like a, a high, high level athlete at the expense of, diminishing the many talents I have that make this broadcast <laughs> what it is. But you get what I'm saying that I love what I do and to compromise that at the expense of what becoming like, some better snowboarder, some better mountain climber, some better weightlifter of some kind. I guess if I could make a career out of those things, but um, how about this though? I'm going to stick with like intellectual capacities rather than I'm going to erase physical entirely and say that I would diminish I've spent a lot of my uh, school or professional career has been a lot of like numbers and data work. And I'm not like a, a data whiz, but I have some skills that are not always incredibly useful in what I'm doing. I would rather become less sort of like uh, data inclined. What I'm trying to say is I would drop some of those skills to become funnier. 
Sometimes I, <laughs> I want to have a little more comedy prowess and, um, and that's, it's, okay. there's something that's frustrating where it's like, there's a joke I want to make and I can't figure Just out can't how to it. phrase it or how well, you, you have a joke concept in your head but the line is just not coming to you. I hear you. I struggle okay. with that a lot because comedy is jokes are such a crucial part of not just entertainment, but in so many ways, making an argument convincing and compelling. What's the and famous line with other people yeah. like wrap the truth in a good joke and it's irresistible. Something like that. It's, it's a strategy to which I've always aimed because that's what convinces me. If someone has an <clears throat> undeniable truth and they're charming and clever and funny about it, you can't help but agree with that person. And so true to that persuasion strategy and true to how I enjoy when people persuade me, I want to have that comedy element. And frequently when I'm trying to write things, I'm not trying to be funny just because I feel like I have to be funny. And clearly there's a lot of stuff I put out that's not funny at all and isn't intended to be. But where I have opportunity to introduce that into the product, mm. there are times where I feel like there's something that like I'm on, there's some there's a way I want to say this and I just can't do it. And I do encounter some frustration there sometimes. So less data nerd shit, more funny. That's my answer. OK. Yeah. All right. You're up. You're Yuri Nader. If you could create one reality TV show, which is guaranteed to air, what type of reality show would you want to put on TV? Uh, oh, I got this one right away. The, the polyamorous couple with that chick and her five weird husbands where the husband abused the kid. No. Yeah. You're talking about the. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that already exists, though. You have to create a new show. That wasn't a reality show, was it? Yeah, that was on one of those like my weird love shows. You're talking about where it was like five husbands and one wife. Yeah, I didn't know that was an actual reality show. I thought it was a news story. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure that was part of a show and not just a news story. I I stand by my answer. Just recreate that. Just find all the more like a whole season of that. Yeah. Um, I would. Okay, there's a couple things I would say like politician or generic media elite truth serum <laughs> somehow they just get injected with that or um how would i <laughs> how would i phrase this like virtue signalers versus reality something like where people who proclaim all of these values x y and z publicly are made to go live those values in practice like i just I guess what I'm saying is I want to drop people like like I want to drop the Twitter virtue signalers like Alyssa Milano into like <laughs> the the most dangerous parts of Chicago with some oh, sort of like my God, that is such a good idea that I want something like that, like virtue signal confronts reality like ghetto real world. But AOC yeah. has to live in like the south side of Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody like that. I'm not trying to pick on Alyssa Milano in particular. It's just people like that. She just comes to mind when I think of people who will tweet something that is so preposterously untrue. <laughs> or like, um, like, how about that? Like, no human is illegal. I, someone like that would tweet. OK, you get to go to Juarez and discover the not illegal humans there. And let's see. Let's just see how it goes. I love it. That's great. Yeah, that would be mine. Um. We have to hustle. Okay. Yeah, sorry. No, Ape Dan. 
Hi, Matt. Sorry to hear about the passing of your parents' dog. Do either of you think that intelligent animals capable of emotion have souls? For me, it's difficult hmm. to believe that if God created an afterlife, he would exclude creatures capable of such joy and love. I do not think they have souls per se. I love my dogs. And sometimes we have moments of like real connection and everything. But at the end of the day, if I died in the house, they would eat my face and feel nothing. You know, as they would, right? Speak for your own dogs. My dogs don't ba- have the Bash snout. Bash would not eat your entrails. He doesn't have the capability. Have you seen his He's snout? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He totally would. You know, yeah. one time he kind of tried to snap at another dog and uh, he doesn't have the snout capability of actually biting the dog. So it was a non-issue. Freak. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I hesitate to, I know this isn't the the heart of the question, but I, I certainly hesitate to place people and humans on similar or the same moral plane because you, you really get to, you get into a lot of dicey territory there. I think that fundamentally, uh, we have to maintain our commitment to the idea that the preservation of human life and human life having value for its own sake is the fundamental principle uh, to the to the world's moral sense. So if I start getting into the territory of animals are are close to that, I, I sort of shy away from that. I, I'm the wrong guy to to ask about the afterlife and souls because, frankly, that's the stuff about faith that I struggle with the most. The stuff that's kind of the most I don't that all that stuff is is sort of an otherworldly concept. It's not a concept within the physics of this world as we understand it. So it, to me it's it's like more mystical beliefs that I have to get into and accept. I'm not rejecting them outright. I'm just saying that's the stuff that's hardest for me to understand as someone who's getting into faith. So my answer is I just I I have to maintain a moral distinction between humans and and dogs or any other animals because I think that's the the proper moral order of the universe. So even though I love my dog and he's provided great value to our lives, I have to keep perspective on where uh, where he is in that in that moral hierarchy. So I guess on on dog souls, it's going to be a no from me, dog. I'm going to say that. <laughs> OK, I, I understand. Uh, yeah. Joseph, you son of a bitch. Which month is objectively the best and which is objectively the worst? Well, I can give you my favorites. I don't know about the objective answer here. I am a big fan of. Well, I'm going to give it. uh, I love fall and spring months. Like my favorite times of year is like October and March, possibly April. And the worst time of year, or at least around here, August pretty much sucks ass. It is hot as hell and dry. And then it does get pretty bad around Christmas time, maybe into mid January. I'm talking the shortest days of the year that are cold. And I love winter, but it's the worst month. Yeah. It's so miserable and gray and it's black history month. So I'm going to say February is the worst. And I love September. When uh, usually the leaves around here start turning like last week of September. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The peak of fall colors is always great. Ashwin, do you believe we truly have property rights? The example I will use your iPhone. You don't technically own the stuff inside or the iOS software because it's Apple's property. So taking this analogy, are the things we are buying actually things we own in its fullness? No, 
um, you don't even own your property because they can just hike up your property taxes and the government can take the property from you. We don't own anything really outright. Property is what you can defend with your gun, basically. That's, <laughs> yeah, this, at least there, that's going to be the rule. There are a couple different ways to <laughs> think about this. One is like uh, the legal status quo and one is the theory of what property actually is. Now, as a, as a theoretical matter, what is property? Of course, I believe in property. Property is a, a natural resource combined with your labor. Mm-hmm. There are different theories about, you know, if you ask Marxists what property is, you're going to get a different explanation for that. But as a theoretical, just kind of non-government, non-law answer, that's all it is. It means I took this resource out from the natural world. I applied some form of my labor to it. And look, I made it into X, Y, or Z. Right. And it's the combination of those two factors that define what property is and give you rightful ownership of it. So I certainly believe in that concept. But as as a practical matter, is that concept violated in all sorts of different ways. Absolutely. I mean, right now, as I'm considering uh, how to get my family into a different piece of property, those are the exact considerations that I'm thinking about. Oh, the property tax. Oh, uh, how much am I going to have to give the government around here for the sake of sitting in the place that uh, I purchased, you know, by working hard for my own money, that kind of stuff. I, I would say that as a matter of of moral truth and as as a matter of the the philosophical concept yes you have property do do does the government violate that in a whole bunch of other ways and even yes. other people not just the government do people abuse your property in a way that is uh, immoral or or a violation of of that principle yeah um but uh so i hope that answers your question yes property exists yes people violate it Halo with horns says, thank you for sharing your gift of moral diligence with setting life goals for family security and personal growth last Wednesday. However, you didn't answer my question. Well, I'm sorry about that. I asked if you considered giving God through prayer to give you faith since Matthew seven, seven says, if I ask it will be given, why not ask if you really want to have faith? Okay. I think I see where you're coming from. The reason I, I hesitate away from like a formal ask to God to say like, please reveal yourself in this way, or even some sort of bargain, like, please do this. And in exchange, I will believe to me, there's a certain lack of humility in that. Even like who the hell am I to bargain with God in that way? And I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong to do that halo with horns. If you have a different uh, evaluation of that, but I just, to me, when I think of my relationship with God, to say you're going to do this and then I'll fulfill my end of the bargain is sort of a backward arrangement that there is a bargain already to which I am bound. It's my job to fulfill it. And through its fulfillment, God will reveal himself to me. And Um, that's, that's the approach through which I operate. Yeah. But you can also ask God to, to give you faith if you're struggling. What's wrong with that? I'm not saying it's wrong necessarily. And I suppose that's a different question than I was thinking of and probably a more justified one. You're saying you're, you're basically asking God, how can I, or, or through what methods can I find faith in you instead of, mm-hmm. Hey God, do some cool shit or I don't, I don't believe, you know, <laughs> and that yeah. it's the latter that I really want to, to stay away from because that, that latter one presumes that I am in a power position in my negotiation with God and I'm not. 
I'm not. Whatever this God concept is, it has power over me. It is my job to obey it. And um, so for, to me, it's like bargaining with that is is to presume that you're on some sort of equal playing field and like you have leverage with this person. And I, I just don't believe that I do. So probably a better way to, of looking at it than well, I don't know. I just trying to bargain with God and maybe if I you will. do this. I'll do this. I, I don't. So I don't ask for specific revelation, but as I mentioned last week, and I know you, you referenced this in your question, so I won't, I won't repeat it, but I feel like there is, there are clear signals in the world that tell me it's time to do this, make this move. Now, this situation with trying to get my family into a new spot is one such example where there is a force in the world saying, this is the way, and it's not the Mandalorian. It's something else. You must do this. It's my job to obey that. It's not my, it's not my job to sit here and say, um, Hey God, if you make sure that, uh, they let me into the house that I'm trying to get that, that I will forever devote myself to you. It, it, my view is if I serve God's will, I will get to that house. I will get to that house on the hill by <laughs> obeying and, and fulfilling the moral order to, uh, of this world and understanding that if it doesn't come through, that if I still maintain that path, I will get to whatever the next house on the hill is. If it's not this house on the hill. And I say that metaphorically, by the way, this house really isn't even on a hill. <laughs> it's, I'd like to, I'd like to say I've tried to get a mountaintop castle that I can defend in the apocalypse. No, it's a nice spot, but it's not, it's not in fact a house on the hill. That's a metaphor, but, uh, okay. Canadians are made of trees. Is, are you up? Uh, I think it's now. Okay. I find it odd that Don Lemon and Tucker Carlson were both fired around the same time. Is there some tinfoil hat fuckery about that? It's not like I can imagine the owners of Fox and CNN in talks to each other for fun, but what are the odds of the two getting the ax at the same time? It is a very odd coincidence. I agree. I don't know how to explain that. Yeah. I think it's strange. I mean, in my mind, probably coincidental. I don't know what relationship they could have. But I don't know. It's anybody's guess. They both got hit from what I gather in somewhat surprising terms. It's very clear that Tucker was intending to do a show on Monday. So this was not some split that was talked over for days. He left his show on Friday saying we'll be back Monday. And so that much is clear. Don Lemon, according to his uh, post on Twitter, said, I can't believe I've been with CNN for 17 years and they didn't even have the courtesy to tell me to my face. They told me through my agent or something. That implies to me like at least a mild level of of shock. I don't know, man. I, I don't have anything to point to beyond the co- the coincidence to say that this is some tinfoil cooperation between them, though the, the, t- the timing is awfully, uh, awfully odd. It is. Yeah. So, but that's, that's all I can say about it. But I guess if someone had a, a more specific explanation for me to show that Fox and CNN are actually cooperating bodies for some purpose, would I be shocked to learn it? No, not really. No, I wouldn't be. I yeah. could see that being true. Um, Antonio the Bonio. Okay. <laughs> Love the show. Did you see that Mattel is releasing a Barbie with Down syndrome? As a parent of a cute little girl with Down syndrome, this doesn't bother me and might be a net positive. Our cute Amelia is the biggest blessing in our lives, along with our other siblings. Your thoughts on the Barbie pandering or original? Again, I'm pretty ambivalent hmm. to it. Um, I mean, I think it's pandering but I don't really care what I, I didn't find the the down syndrome doll as befuddling because there are a lot of people with down syndrome as befuddling as 
the two dolls with vitiligo and the black doll with one leg. They did that. And the white doll with one leg. Yeah. They did amputee Barbie. Yeah. Huh? Like how many people with vitiligo have you met in your life? I don't even know what that is, to be honest. What the hell is that? It's that skin disease where like you're black, but like you've got patches. Oh yeah. Okay. They made, they made patchy Barbie. Yeah. I mean, this is clearly pandering, but do I have some sort of ethical problem with somebody with a disability wanting a doll that has their same disability? No. I mean, as a parent, I would just go on Etsy and buy it. The one in general, my beef with this sort of thing is replacing characters who are clearly of certain traits with a new version of them. Mm. Like deleting the old one and making them into something they're not like the little mermaid or whatever else where it's like, that's not still making hot white Barbie. I believe hot white Barbie is still available for the moment. And I know Margot Robbie is playing her in that upcoming movie. So it hasn't been cast like Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I have less of a problem when it's additions to instead of outright replacement. The other reason I would say that I'm probably not inclined to be uh, any any sort of outraged about this. For the most part, I think, quote unquote, seeing yourself in entertainment is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard. Growing up as someone who loved video games and to a lesser extent, some movies and TV, there were characters of all sorts of demographics I loved. And not once did I ever think, well, I don't know. When was the last time that someone with like a Scandinavian last name was ever uh like a big important character in anything. No, but or I think like it's a, different for little kids. Like that's what I'm saying. My is, daughter, yeah. um, she wanted me to buy her a dress so and do her hair yeah. so that she looked like her doll. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I'm thinking is in the context of like some video game for teenage boys. I don't think that that really matters in the context yeah. of a doll for a little girl maybe quote unquote seeing herself as a little more important in that particular product. Mm-hmm. I could see that mattering a little more. I'm coming at this from the perspective of a young man. And I can tell you in that context, doesn't matter at all. Little girls with dolls. I could see that. I could see that like, you know, you want a cabbage patch doll that looks something yeah. like you. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Whatever. So to me, I would, I would grade this very low on the outrage scale. Great. I, although I'm kind of curious and don't to the question asker, you know, I, I, uh, well, I don't want to be perceived as disrespectful to the question or to your daughter or anything like that. I'm just curious what they made the doll look like. It doesn't even and look like she has dancing. That's a, if you're the job. Okay. If you're the artist at Mattel and they're like, you're like Hey, Ooh, how hey, do I get out of this? Hey, make down syndrome Barbie. And you're like, excuse me, what? Okay. Because yeah. if you, if you don't do it enough, they say that's not good enough. The Down syndrome, the children she's, with Down syndrome are not going to identify not with Downsy that. enough. Like she doesn't even look like. And if, because Barbie if has it, some Down fired. syndrome traits. Yeah. I was thinking about that today. Like, what is this job? Okay, you can't even tell, man. I'm looking at this. And no. if someone. Oh, they put the little uh, like uh, leg braces on her, though. Is that what those not are? Not all Down, Down syndrome kids use those. Okay. I mean, I, they upturned her eyes a little bit more, but um, if I saw Barbie, this, I would never know this is a Down syndrome doll. Me neither. Yeah. Okay. Like, oh, they made Barbie like a little shorter and fatter. Yeah. So that's it. All right. Well, uh, thank you for letting us know, and uh, all the best to you and your family. Appreciate the question. Okay, that'll do it on email questions. Again, if you'd like to send us an email question for the show, contact page of the website, mattchristiansmedia.com slash contact. 
look for the call-in show question form to submit. And we will catch up with our chatters. We'll call it an evening. We are good on Rumble. Thank you guys over there. Uh, we are uh, over on DLive. We had Clyde Built Ship uh, support the show. Thank you for that. And um, let's see. Where do we leave off on Tippy and YouTube? On think- YouTube. Let's see. <clears throat> the Second Amendment. Is that the next one? Yeah. And I, I don't know if we got. Did we get the one from my current home, too? But we might have a different order. No. Um, thanks for defending me, guys. You're two of my future friends I have left. Also, I wouldn't mind a date with Blonde myself. She'll be well protected, I promise. The Second Amendment wants to date you. Wow. Hot commodity. Oh, look at that. Matt's current home. I guess I ain't good enough for you now, huh? I'm going to make sure this place is haunted for your last month here. Oh, man. Uh, tough. I, t- you're getting personal there. That that one's tough. I can't be haunted in my own home. No, I appreciate it. No. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. As I've said, you get attached to homes, you get attached to places, but I am, I move ahead with full confidence and full faith that I'm doing the right thing. Dude, not my house. I've been jonesing to sell it. My husband's like, but we had our baby here. And she yeah. took her first step. I'm like, shut up. Let's sell this house. Get they're rid of just this places. They're just, yeah, they're just places. That's it. Yeah. Um, Jeff Sloat. Hello from the great state of Missouri. Keep up a good fight and we will win the gay war. We will win the gay <laughs> war. I think it'll be pretty easy. I hope so. And uh, thank you for your optimism about the coming conflict. Appreciate it very much. Ralph Rojas. I don't see a way either. I, I suppose he means a way forward. Well, that's a common theme. Trying to see a way to much of about anything these days is getting tougher and tougher. But that's why, again, to the to the prior question, too, about marriage and children. Listen, you want a motivator, something to light a fire under your ass and make you the most productive, best version of yourself. And I'm speaking out there. This applies to women, too. But I'm, I'm mm-hmm. certainly speaking to my experience as a man and to other men. In my own situation where I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get my family to that next house, there are a lot of question marks, a lot of a lot of risks I have to take to do that. Right? It means that I'm going to have to achieve things that are going to be difficult to do to make sure that our fi- our family is in good financial shape to take care of it and all that. But the reason I'm comfortable maybe making a slightly risky move is because I know that if I bet on myself on the basis that that's a fire under my ass to be the best and most productive dad that I can be, that I'm going to do that because there's nothing that's going to motivate me more than to provide for my family. Not even my own survival, frankly, like to 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 try to to work hard and earn for yourself and get an awesome house for yourself. Okay, cool. But if you don't have your family to pass that on to and to share, like What's you're not going to be as motivated. I'll tell you, like mm-hmm. without my family, I wouldn't be motivated to take this next step. I, I would be, I would, I'd stay in this house forever, quite frankly. And that's fine. It's a perfectly respectable house, a respectable house. But I'm just saying, if you want to, if you want to kick yourself into the highest gear that you have as a man, you do that by having kids. Yep. Totally. Highly recommended. Um, who's the next one? I lost my place. Uh, Holden Mulray says, uh, hi, truth seekers, a failure of ours regarding the U S constitution, a man made, but uh, brilliant document is disregard of its silence. I believe we societies, uh, similarly disregard the silence of God's word. I guess I'm, I think I understand what you mean by that, but I, I don't know that I'm, we disregard its silence as in, well, I guess I'm not entirely clear what he means by that. Do you feel like you follow or you understand that? No. Okay. Disregarded sounds like 
I guess I understand that to, or I'm understanding that to be commentary on how it doesn't really uh, speak for itself. That that whether you're talking about the word of God, whether you're talking about the Constitution, um, these are words on paper that, if not given force by us, mm-hmm. really, I mean, they're worth next to toilet paper. They're just words on paper. It doesn't really mean anything. So, yeah, it, it, giving credit to the brilliance is part of uh, upholding the document, whether you're talking about the Constitution, whether you're talking about religious scripture, whatever else. But actually uh, giving that some some force behind it is necessary to make sure that it has any effect. Anyway, Nicholas H. says, uh, my comments, uh, my comment was a quote from uh, Gilgamesh, Patsy Core. Oh, <laughs> is it Patsy Core or Pasty Corpse? I could Pasty be in corpse. I could be in the Patsy core too. <laughs> that sounds suitable. Nicholas H says, I don't really think you speak like a robot. Well, no. I, I appreciate that. No, um well I, I'll I'll leave that as it I'll just say if I'm being robotic, that means I'm not making a lot of mistakes. And I'm gonna take it as a compliment that way. <laughs> That's all right. That's uh it, it's programmed for fluid speech, this robot. Seagram's gin. <laughs> says y'all are missing the third option on Batman's dilemma. <laughs> oh man. What uh exile. Uh exile is still an option. Society has to agree to shun them and shunned uh and the shunned go on their own way. Yeah, I suppose um this is sort of a part of like a community decision making on a particular mm-hmm. a particular offender. And if yeah. you're in a community, not just our Discord server, but you're in a Discord server, you're in the um, Pentagon Leaks Discord server with 30 right. other guys. You just have whatever social organization, social group that you have. If somebody is egregiously abusing others, um, yeah, I guess you, I guess you could all leave and build something else away from that person, or you could make the decision together to vote them off the island. Mm-hmm. You could do that. And in the, it's a little more com- complicated in the context of our Discord server because, of course, sort of the one of the formational or foundational ideas about our Discord server is, of course, I don't want to be policing perspectives. I don't want to be policing ideas right. as in... <laughs> as out there as some of the ideas may be on this on the server or as inflammatory as some of the ideas may be it's not my interest to go policing them for viewpoint now when you run into docs what happened here is is if not there were some issues that made it sort of technically adjacent to doxing like as close to the line of doxing as you could possibly get and so in the interest of this community, as we've organized it, we don't want to be too heavy handed with our censorship, with our exiling and all of that. But yep. if you have a different community, if you have a different community, you've decided on different values that you're going to be much more restrictive and police the behavior of people much more aggressively. That is your right of association in action. And I encourage yep. you to exercise it as fully as you see fit. Um, my The community I'm organizing here, I'm trying to make sure that it's as open to as many as possible and as many viewpoints. And one of the downsides downsides is you can get abuse adjacent things that maybe that, that can slide that maybe shouldn't slide. Mm -hmm. Association rights are very important though. If you, uh, if you, if you want to build a community based on an association, a set of association rules that are much stricter, 
you're perfectly within your rights to do that and you should. And to the point of uh, enforcement, maybe, maybe you're, you're right to uh, get a little more strict about that. Long Dong John says it was a victim of doxing. Uh, honestly, my second concern after some idiot on my doorstep would be the potential for identity theft. That's oh, true. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they, they, it depends on the nature of the information taken. If they just have, say, like your name and address, they're gonna be able, they're not gonna be able to do much with that as far as stealing your identity. But if they've got your social and they've got a whole bunch of other information about say property you own or your financial accounts or something like that. Yeah. Then uh, you probably need to get proactive about that too. And contacting your institutions. Yep. Let's see. Oh, just a couple more. A buddy with an H your leave the D joke today was hilarious. Keep your data skills. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. The though there was one toward the end that you acknowledged didn't land, but that's okay. Keep on. uh, Thanks. Well, yeah, it's, (laughs) That's kind of an example too. Uh, like I'll, uh, there was, I was writing this script and I'm thinking um, I'm making like some stupid Montana reference. I'm talking about last stands and we had the battle of the little bighorn. Like, come on, there's gotta be something. In, there's gotta be a joke about transing the kids. That's like battle of the little bighorn is battle of the little what? Like what, what would that be? And I yeah. just, it didn't, I couldn't get it. And so I made a crappy version of like, well, that, that was not the most clever way to phrase it, but you get what I'm saying. Sometimes you can just poke fun at yourself to get out of it, but it is really frustrating where you're like, you have this setup in your mind and like, there's gotta be a way to craft this and it just doesn't. Yeah, I know. Just doesn't hit. So I know. All right. Buddy with an H says blonde, you're playing Scrabble with Ben Shapiro. (laughs) You have five letters left. T I V A E prevent is wide open and screaming your name. Preventive loses preventative wins. What do you do? No, no, you can't play preventative. It's not a word. It's been shoehorned in fraudulently. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not doing it. I think the entire premise of this game is bunk. Why are you playing with Ben Shapiro? Yeah, really? Anyway, you're an asshat. Holden Mulray says, Matt, you're right you, uh, that we can't bargain with God, but it's a huge mistake and it's a huge mistake to try. But as the father of a boy with an unclean spirit whom Jesus healed, said, uh, I believe, help my unbelief. And that's Matthew 9, uh, 24. Yeah, that's an interesting way to phrase it too. Um, you're asking for help with your doubts. Yes, that's Instead what I need of, to do. Yeah, and I'm less, I don't want to get anything close to do this for me and I'll help you out, God, to, to me recognizing that I have skepticism and doubt and asking for assistance with the skepticism and the doubt. Right. You just want to be careful with that. It can't be assistance and you know, God doesn't write you checks. So, so don't ask for I that. I don't know. I negotiated my way into Emmeline. Well, maybe. Maybe God gives you kids, but he doesn't write you checks. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, anything else before uh, we wrap up here? I think we're all set. Oh, yeah. Did you reload? Gave it a quick refresh. It. Looks like we're good. We're good on Rumble. Uh, we're good everywhere else. Okay. All right, uh, we will call it uh, a show there. Oh, wait, hold on. If I can find the right Susan music, by God. Anyway, we'll call it uh, we'll call it a show there. Appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. Thank you for your calls. Thank you for your email questions. Thank you for your super chats. Thank you for everything you contribute. 
course, we'll be back on Sunday talking about whatever happens between now and then. In the meantime, if you missed any part of the show, of course, you can listen back on the podcast page of the website, mattchristensenmedia.com slash podcast is where the call-in show replay goes. Anything else show-related, mattchristensenmedia.com, of course. We'll be back on Sunday. We will see you then. Have a great evening.